Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Hammerlock Hangover. This is episode 51. I am Steve, and I'm joined by my usual tag team partner, and that is Jeff. Jeff, how's it going, buddy? What is up? We are in yellow light territory because uh, the continuing saga of La Sicaria in Ecuador continues. And as it turns out, Lani Pafo has learned that she's in Ecuador and has been calling again saying, why are you coming to Quito? Why are you coming to Quito? So, you know, we're in a, so listen, prayer circles, everyone, prayer circles. Oh, my God. This is is La Sicaria who, uh, you know, we got a lot of new listeners the last couple of uh weeks so thank you guys if you're just tuning tuning into the hammerlock hangover and and getting used to my vibing with jeff like the way we kind of you know talk nonsense about wrestling and just chit chat and whatnot thank you for listening thank you for tuning in and tapping in to yet another these are the most substantive conversations i have <laughs> what do you mean nonsense <laughs> <laughs> they might be nonsense to them listening i know for us it's you know we're just shooting the shit like like pals do um so la sicaria is your girlfriend she is from ecuador and she ended up uh traveling back home to visit family so coincidentally lanny Pafo, the genius randy macho man savage's uh brother lives in ecuador and has been in communication with your girlfriend since before he moved there she's actually helped him pick places to move and places to go and things like that. They, if anyone is interested, there's, if you go to Vivar La Magia, M-A-G-I-A, it's either Cone Viviana or Poor Viviana. There's an episode with her and Leaping Lanny for an hour doing an interview and neither one of them quite understands the other. Um, so, so it's sort of cute, but he, you know, he may or may not be in love with her, but a lot of people are. <laughs> because, I mean, she's you know, been forged by Aphrodite herself as, as a, if there's ever, if any of you think that the devil isn't real, when you see me and her together, you'll know the devil is real because obviously I, I made a bargain. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she she purposely didn't want to tell him that she was going to Ecuador because, well, he's in love with her. And um, but he found out she was because she was trying to sell some tickets that I got because she extended her trip uh, for reasons I'm not going to reveal here it has to do with family and stuff like that. Um, but because it was a broadband blast, uh, he saw where it emanated from. He's like, Hey, what are you doing? What, where are, where are you? And she's like, I'm in Ecuador. He's like, you didn't come to Quito, come to Quito, please come to Quito, come to Quito. And she's saying, no, no, it's five hours away or this, I don't want to go to Quito. And he's like, come to Quito. So the, the saga continues. I, you know, he can be very persuasive. I'm sure. Oh my God. That is very creepy. Very creepy. Well, I'm glad we got that update. And unfortunately, tonight, like uh, when we were recording, you were supposed to be at an Earth, Wind, and Fire concert, and you decided not to go because you didn't want to go alone. Right? Yeah, I, I have no friends. I have no local <laughs> friends. This is this is partly because I've curated that. I, I didn't want any local friends because I don't want to like have to help anyone move or be obligated or whatever. I mean, I do, but most of my families and stuff, and you know, they're married. So you know, who am I going to go with the wife or the husband or you know? you know all, all of that but um anyway uh, yeah i i didn't want to go alone i see, i would go to like a classical concert myself or i would go to a movie myself but like earth wind and fire is like a get up and dance concert and doing that alone i just feels it feels like like that's creeper territory yeah i know what you what you mean i once went to a shakira concert by myself because my wife was like yeah i'm not gonna go with you and 
uh, yeah, it, it, it kind of felt weird. I was always the type of dude that was like, I'm never going to go to the movies by myself. And then one time I had a long layover in Atlanta and I was like, well, looks like I'm going to the movies by myself. And I know it feels a little weird, but I had a good time. I had a fun time. I didn't pick anybody up like, you know, a new girlfriend or second <laughs> wife or anything, but it was a fun Why? time. Um, well, here, here's the other part of it. And, you know, part of what I was saying is, is 100% accurate. But the other part I'm leaving out is that this is exactly the kind of concert that's going to attract people that are in their 40s and, and older only. And it's a beautiful night on a Sunday. Most of my friends' kids are either late in high school or in college or out of college. So there's a better, there's like a 98% chance that I'm going to see people from my former life, either my former work life or my more likely friends prior to the divorce, or even possibly my ex-wife and a new husband. And I don't care about seeing them. I do care about seeing them alone. So they all like start the gossip thing going, I saw Jeff at a concert alone, but he doesn't have a girlfriend. What a loser. He's a, just a loser going to concerts. And you know, so these are the, these are the things that I fear and worry about and think about. So I actually manufactured a, a migraine because there's nothing wrong with me now. And I came up with every excuse. Yes, I, I, I manufactured a migraine. Um, there's that. So anyway, enough enough about that story. Um, so I think we should also be a little bit honest with the audience. So we originally recorded this show Thursday night before SmackDown, before Rampage, before Extreme Rules, and before the and actually during the Chris Canyon episode. Somehow that that recording got deleted or damaged or whatever. So we were recording again Monday night during Extreme Rules. So right now as I'm Sunday sitting night. here. Yeah, Sunday night. I'm sorry. Uh, right now, as I sit here, uh, Damian Priest has just retained his U.S. championship. So we're probably going to skimp out a little bit on Raw and SmackDown uh, because most of that has been overtaken by events due to Extreme Rules. Not everything, but, but you know, most of the stories that, that matter to the extent anything matters is there. So we'll probably be an AEW heavy show. We'll obviously talk to you about extreme rules. We won't give you our predictions, obviously, because that'd be cheating. But I can tell you that I think I got everything right so far, except for the match that was added, because we didn't know it was going to be a match. And I got Alexa Bliss wrong. Steve definitely picked Charlotte. He got that right. No, no, no. Uh, I actually did pick Alexa. Oh, did you? So we both got that one wrong. It actually sort of makes sense with Survivor Series coming up, because you think that they probably want to do Becky versus Charlotte. Of course, that means that Becky has to either retain tonight, which was my pick. Uh, I think you picked Bianca. Um, right. No, but no, no, no. Becky, I, picked, I picked Becky. Okay. So we we both have to be right on that one. Uh, but even if we're wrong, she either has to retain or reclaim the championship between now and Survivor Series, both of which are possible. So, and we all, we both picked. I picked Roman Reigns. He originally picked the demon, but I think I talked him out of it. I think he switched his pick. Were you not even paying attention during our picks? I feel like we 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 picked all the same picks, except for the Street Profits and the Usos. I picked Street Profits, and you picked the Usos. Yeah, but you booked a good ending to um, to the main event, which was that uh, Brock Lesnar would come out and help the the demon lose uh, because right. he wants to face Roman Reigns, which was a much better ending than the one that 
I predicted, which was someone who's not available or, or, you know, that Roman would add some other randos to the, um, to the Roman empire. Uh, Bronson Reed. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> he'll work for food at this point. Um, so anyway, so, you know, full disclosure, if you feel like we're not giving the detail that we normally do on WWE, you know, we're going to focus mostly on the extreme rules and things on the other shows that were not overtaken by events on extreme rules, which are few and far between. So. Yeah. And obviously when we drop this, I mean, there might be spoilers, there might not be spoilers. Um, so caution, if you don't want to hear extreme uh, rules, then maybe you pause the pause this right now and then wait a couple days to then listen or just tune in. I'm sure you're not missing much because as Jeff was explaining to me before I hit record, he said this uh, is not a good pay-per-view match and a good pay-per-view. It's just kind of meh. It's very similar to a Saturday night's main event from no, back I, in the no, I, that, That's 90s. not a fair description. I actually think it, it's a it's a good show. It's just not if you were paying fifty or sixty dollars for it, it's not a good show. But it, it's you know if you were paying nine ninety nine, I think it's a, a it's a pretty good show. It's fairly fast moving. The, the matches aren't aren't bad. Some of them are. are pretty darn good it's been entertaining um and you know i get peacock with comcast so this you know i'm not paying anything for it so <laughs> i'm actually really happy with the show so you know i mean this is sort of a, a c or d level pay-per-view and i think they've put on a pretty good show so far it's been relatively uneventful but it hasn't been bad at all it's it's just you know it it's just not extreme i mean there's there's really nothing extreme about it. I mean, you you could see this, these same kind of stipulations to the extent there are any, like the triple threat, which is no DQ. I mean, you you can see that every week on Raw SmackDown. I mean, so um, it just it actually just feels like a really good episode of Raw SmackDown. Maybe it's meant to be poetic. Maybe it's so extreme that it's against the grain of being extreme and therefore it is extreme of extreme which means not being extreme that is very philosophical well maybe <laughs> all right let's talk about um this next match if you guys are are want to tune in at the guests at the same time and watch along with us we are about to start the becky lynch versus bianca match right now they're doing a promo package uh to hype this up um quickly before this match starts let's talk about the matches that have occurred um i'm joining in late so what did I, what, what what was missed what what started the show okay well the pre-show uh they bumped Liv morgan versus carmella to the pre-show this was actually a pretty good match uh there are people who love Liv morgan she got a pretty good pop carmella i don't care what anyone says is sexy af and we've discussed it many times i, I know that four or five years ago carmella did suck but she, she took like that nine or 10 months off. She came back. And ever since then, she's not sucked. She's good. I mean, I'm not going to say she's mm -hmm. back here, Charlotte or Sasha Banks or Oscar, whatever, but, but she's, she's good. I mean, anyone yep. who doesn't think so doesn't know what they're talking about. And her character is great. It's a diva. And like I said, she's sexy AF, uh, but Liv Morgan won. It was a pretty good match. Um, some back and forth. We both picked Liv. Everyone picked Liv. Carmella's there to mostly lose. And at some point they'll find her, a, you know, a, another big cast or an Ellsworth or something. And then, and then she'll start winning again. But, um, you know, anyway, pretty good match. Liv picked up the win. Um, the opening match was the, the match that was added late, which was the new day. Um, all three of them, Biggie with his, uh, WWE championship 
versus Lashley and the former tag team champions, AJ and Omos. Um, basically, an, a, another pretty good match. And, and they gave this one a, a good amount of time. I don't time the matches, but I would say it was at least 20 minutes. Um, basically, the ending of it was that Lashley was in position to win. Um, he he had, uh, I think it was Kofi, absolutely beat. He was... It might have even been Big E. I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter. He he was about to put the hurt lock on someone. He was close to his own corner. AJ tagged himself in. Lashley wasn't too happy about it. He was shaking his head. He had that look of surprise. AJ came in. He tried to deliver his finisher on, I think it was Kofi, who avoided it. Um, and Lashley ran to the other side against the, to, against the ropes and was going to deliver a spear to Kofi, but Kofi moved. And when he moved and AJ was sort of touching him, the momentum sort of pulled AJ into, into the line of fire. So AJ got speared by uh, Lashley. That gave uh, the opportunity for Big E to come into the ring. I guess it was Kofi who tagged him um, and Big E delivered the, whatever his finisher is called. The, what is it? what's his finisher? The big ending. The big ending, right. I, came, I just want to say the Big E, which is redundant. Um, <laughs> So, and he got the, the pin over Lashley. And so the new day won. Um, obviously, Lashley was not happy with AJ, but, you know, there wasn't any explosion there. A few segments later, there was a promo from Lashley in, in the back, obviously very angry. And he called Biggie a coward and a chicken shit. He explained how, you know, cashing in was chicken shit, all that. And he said, I'm tired of the new day. I'm tired of everyone else. Just you and me, one-on-one. -on -one. I challenge you to a title match tomorrow night. So there's been no response to that, but we may be getting a rematch tomorrow night on Raw. All right. Very exciting. I'm excited for that. But it looks like they're planting the seeds for Lashley versus AJ. Or maybe AJ versus Big E. It could be. Well, I, I, I don't think that. I, I mean, I think that... For sure, they're they're turn they might be turning someone face. I'm not sure if it's AJ and almost because you know you, you can't avoid cheering them. But I mean, it was AJ who cost the match by the hot tag. But that doesn't matter in WWE logic in 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 the to the degree that they have any logic. It might be a Lashley face turn. Now, this is my fantasy. My fantasy is this is going to create the need to form an alliance, another uh, hurt business, and maybe this is where they bring Bearcat people. Keith Lee back into the equation, uh, bring him into the hurt business, and it's Lashley and Keith Lee against AJ and Omos. The other alternative is obviously you could have a, a feud with Lashley, which I think they'd want to pivot that to a feud with Lashley and Omos to have the the big the big bruisers in there uh, working together. Uh, the only thing I'm not happy about that prospect is that I mean. I think they probably feel like they have to put almost over and, and I'm, you know, I'm all Lashley all the time. So, yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, I, I, I of course, I'm hoping that Lashley gets his title back tomorrow night. Uh, doubt I it, but, but I don't see I, that happening yet, but I, cause I think they do want to see them one-on-one -on -one at survivor series, Biggie versus Roman Reigns again. And I think they all this stuff you saw the last week or so is just planting seeds for, Big E versus Roman at Survivor Series. We're about to see... So, again, we're watching um, Extreme Rules Live, and they're about to ring the bell on Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch for the SmackDown Women's World title. Um, uh, 
Greg, uh, bu- bu- bu, what, what is it? Greg Hamilton is, uh, you know, announcing them right now. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on Becky's entrance here? It looks like she came out really basic. She's had all these wild outfits uh, leading up to this, and she just shows up with this white pants. I mean, not white pants. White kind of jumpsuit and and some boots. Looks well, really basic that- to me. Well, that's, I mean, you're forgetting that she's got that jacket that's covered with gold, like rhinestone spikes or whatever on it, or gold metal spikes on it. And she's oh, got right. a hair all pulled back in a sort of unflattering, sort of heelish, like sort of Brigitte Nielsen from Red Sonia kind of way. Who knows what these outfits are? Because I don't know what the references are. For all I know, this is like a video game character or an anime character or something like that that I'm just not aware of. But I think she is going basic because she's really, really attractive and she's trying to be a heel. So she probably wants to look mean. And so I, I think that's all it is. So she's purposely doing her hair in sort of a way that's not flattering, but is still, you know, she's done it on the sides where it's sort of short and there's sort of like those, I don't know what to call it, but it looks like there's, you know, bald spots. They're obviously not bald spots. It's the way the hair is braided and pulled. Uh, uh, you know how like men do it with when they shave lines into their head. Um, oh, 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 yep, but, yep. We, I like the start of this match. Sorry, yeah, I, just, to, just to jump in, I like the start of this match where Becky tries to okey-doker one more time with the handshake, and then uh, Bianca tries to strike her, and <laughs> Becky gets her into the the setup for the, for the manhandle slam, and then uh, Bianca reverses it with an elbow to the face. So okay. another, uh, another shake attempt right now from Becky. Yep, this is uh this is uh, uh more than 26 seconds so far, right? Yep, yep. This is exactly how it went off Friday except Bianca hit the her F5 or whatever she calls her or her <laughs> the kiss move. of death. The KO. The kiss of death. I I don't know names and moves obviously. Um <laughs> it's but, all right, I guess that's why I'm but, here for. Right. So, but Becky escaped this time on SmackDown. She was laid out with it. So, um, you know, usually when the, the face gets over on the heel oh. the, the night before, it usually means that the heel's going to win, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, so they, they both missed their finishers. Yeah. You know, now that Liv Morgan won and we have the draft coming up, what do you think is next for Liv Morgan? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people want a Liv Morgan push. And if Becky remains as a heel champion, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Liv doesn't get that spot until we get up to Survivor Series. I mean, it's only a month and a half or two months away. So, uh, you know, that's really only two matches or maybe one. So um, I think that's probably what's next for her. Um, And yeah, go ahead. now, Now, you mentioned earlier Charlotte defeated Alexa Bliss. Um, what was the finish in that match? Um, was, well, was it, was it, oh, before we get into that, remember, uh, when we first recorded this episode and again, it got deleted, you went into your fantasy booking of, uh, having a, a Valley of the Dolls. March of the Wooden Soldiers, except they'd be, uh, Charlie, Charlie Dolls. Yeah. No, yeah, that didn't happen that, at all. Recap that, that scenario real quick. Yeah, I, I was just hoping that Bliss was going to call the the forces of darkness and you were going to get like this army of, of like the zombies that you defended like a year ago from the <laughs> Batista right. movie or seven months ago 
that was horrible. And but instead of zombies, you were going to get this bunch of Charlie dolls uh, coming in, or you know, or Charlie and Lily dolls coming in. They would swarm over Charlotte like zombies, and then Alexa would get the the pen. Ah, alas, that was not to be. So what happened? It was it was a pretty regular match. It wasn't bad. I mean, you know, bliss is bliss, but she was pretty good in this. There were some sloppy spots and some some places where it wasn't exactly clean, but nothing dangerous. Um, anyway, pretty good match. Charlotte won. Um, definitely, uh, there was some tension. There were some times I really believed the bliss was going to win. She got out of a couple finishers. Um, but Charlotte won, and when Charlotte won, she made a big deal of tearing Lily to shreds in the center of the ring to the booze of the crowd. And the crowd loves Bliss. They gave her whatever Liv got, Bliss gets twice as much. They love her. She gets such a pop. And and Charlotte was getting mightily booed as well during her intro. Anyway, when Bliss finally recovered and saw that, she went crazy. She was screaming. She was pulling her hair. She's tearing up the commentary table. She went into the ring. The crowd's going Thank you, Lily. Thank you, <laughs> Lily. Oh, I really uh, hated that live. Oh, it was great. And I, I love this crowd, whoever they are. And um, <laughs> what is it, Cleveland, Ohio? I, I, I take it back. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's a mid. It's a mid city. It's a mid city. Um, <laughs> well, whoever they are, they, they're doing a they're doing a great job tonight. Um, so Bliss is trying to put Lily back together. She's grabbing the stuffing and putting together a hole near to her chest and. And she's walking out all all sad. Now, this is where, you know, I fantasy booked and tweeted that at this moment, this is when Sue Young, Rosemary, Holly Dead, Abaddon, and uh, Mei Ying from uh, from uh, Tian Sha, and like every other undead uh, women's wrestling character should have come out and all clobbered Charlotte. Talk about a forbidden door. But alas, that was not to happen either. Charlotte simply walked out and Bliss, Bliss simply walked out sadly, which obviously means that this story is not quite over yet. I'm interested to see why they didn't Whoa, put wait, the- Wait, the most important part. While Bliss was screaming and crying, one of her fake eyelashes fell off and you could see it like hanging halfway over her eye. That was, that's, uh, I bet you're glad I'm interrupted you over for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm super ecstatic. Cool. Um, there is, um, you know, when we predict, first gave our predictions on the uh, lost episode, um, I was saying that Becky was going to retain here because I feel Bianca will go and face the Raw Women's Champion and then gain that belt. And I thought Alexa was a perfect person because one, Alexa would be fresh as a champion. Charlotte, you know, some people, love, she's, everybody loves and hates Charlotte. Um, so Alexa can both play heel and face she's this tweener character at the moment yeah the fans are in love with her and cheering her and all that but you know they can easily turn back just like they did with bray and uh cheer a real you know genuine baby face like bianca belair but if charlotte is charlotte is also a mega heel and who better to regain your rep from taking an l to becky lynch than charlotte flair right no, absolutely. I, I was going to say that it, it works even better with Charlotte because who, who's better to beat than the best? Charlotte is the best female wrestler in the history of female wrestling. I stand by that that sentiment. Um, and, you know, even if that doesn't happen, all of you people will say that, that Bianca's buried in this first of all, she's not buried. She's on TV every single week and in a prime spot. 
But if if she doesn't win one of these belts between now and Royal Rumble, she'll win the Royal Rumble again. She'll be like the first ever, uh, you know, back to back consecutive women's Royal Rumble winners, and she'll call her shot again. So f- fear not, one of those things is going to happen. But there was actually a match before the Bliss Charlotte match, and that was the Usos against the Street Profits. Yeah, before um, you ju- before you yeah. jump there, I just want to have one final thought about the the booking of Bianca and you know, we're still watching in the middle of um, this match with Becky Lynch versus Bianca. And right now Becky's got a, um, this is a great match. I guess a modified Boston crab on, on her. This is a really good match. You're, you're telling a tale here and I'm again, I'm listening to, to, to commentary and just, this is just based upon the ring ring action and storytelling that these two professional women are doing. And the story is, Hey, yeah, you might have got a fast one on Bianca at SummerSlam, but she's no joke. She's really taking it to Becky here in this match, and Becky's really giving it to her as well. So I see two equally talented women fighting as they should for one of the most coveted prizes in women's professional uh, sports today. So if you think that Bianca is buried... Even if she loses this match, you are not paying attention to what is going I, I, on in wrestling. I'm just giggling because you didn't want to say in wrestling, but you didn't also want to say sports entertainment, so you just left it at sports. <laughs> that's right. I know, well, I wanted I, to be bigger than just wrestling. You know, uh-huh. that's what Papa Vince would like to say. I'm sure he would like to say it. Anyway, this, this match is, is very back and forth. Some really good moves. Both it these ladies—they're super talented. It um, is. This is good. And this is the first time they're in the ring together, I believe, together. Like for this well, amount of time. Obviously. A real match. Yeah. I, right. I, I think so. Anyway. They are really um, going at it. Like this is a really enjoyable. Yeah. So the Usos against the Street Profits. We saw the Street Profits coming in. And it was really weird because on SmackDown, you know, Ford was there solo. He was insulting the bloodline, called them the bloodline bitches. And that ended up with a match where he had a solo match with Roman, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit later on. Um, and in that you know, he, no surprise, he defeat he was defeated, but it was a, you know, a good match. Roman, uh, you know, was back and forth until Roman, you know, hit, hit some move and then was able to go right into the guillotine and then sort of ended sort of abruptly, which allowed the, the demon to, you know, come out when they were, they were punishing for it. They hit him over and over again uh, with, with chairs. And then the lights went out, the demon came out and, and knocked out the Usos and Roman standing tall but the backlash of that was that it injured ford's ribs so dawkins wasn't there because he was at a wedding they made a big deal about that and ford was you know seemed you know not troubled about that at all in fact he did two promos he only mentioned that once and he seemed like he was good to go so tonight when they're walking in it was sort of awkward they're not looking at each other and and ford is sort of in an angry tone going i need to know tonight do you have my back um, which a little bit quickly and Dawkins is like, yes. And then, and then they sort of like separately, I think that we want the smoke. It wasn't, it wasn't like the, the synchronized way. They, they seemed like off a step. Anyway, the story, this was actually also a good match, but the story was whatever Ford was doing, whatever moves he was hitting, you know, because of his ribs, when he hit his frog splash, it hurt him as much as it hurt the other guy. Mm-hmm. So in the end, the Usos, uh, they did a double super kick to his ribs. Dawkins was out there. He was, he, they had taken care of him. He was out, out of the ring. And then they did the double splash. Uh, one went high, one went low. And then the Usos pinned to retain. Um, 
and you know Dawkins carried Ford out or helped. You know, it was assisted walking. You know, there was no heel turn, there was no explosion, no fight, but they're obviously setting up for some sort of schism between the street profits. That's a shame. Like I, I, I don't know if I was it was on this podcast or maybe in an in um, a wrestling group or maybe I was talking to some friends, but I do recall mentioning somewhere that if it wasn't Biggie that's going to take the title off of Roman Reigns, that it could possibly be Montez Ford. Yeah, okay. Because Montez Ford, like at that that SmackDown in Madison Square Garden, Montez Ford was very over, and he, obviously he's a very charismatic individual. I wouldn't be surprised if Vince, you know, Vince has that old school mentality of if you're over in the Garden. And I know I got to push you everywhere else. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if Vince made it, made a call there to uh, let's break up the street profits. Well, breaking up the street profits and getting the title off of Roman are two very different things. Um, but yeah, yeah, it looks like we've, this... got, we've got some time from here to WrestleMania in April. Yeah, that, that's true. I, I don't think the Montez Fours is any is yet anywhere near a big enough star to headline a WrestleMania in a in a solo title match. So no, I, I say that we're at least two WrestleManias from that, meaning uh, you know at least a year from this coming WrestleMania at the earliest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, I re- I I really don't like this white on Becky Lynch. It's just it's too thinning, like it's yeah yeah it's. And I know, like, she looks definitely way more toner than she used to be. Like, I like oh, yeah. I I like the baby fat on on Becky, and now the baby there's no baby fat. I don't know. Just calm down, would you? She's she's like I said, she's trying not to look attractive because she's trying to be a heel, so she doesn't want you to be digging her. That's a, uh, what she's, that's, what that's, that's not a good excuse. You don't see Scarlett uh, Bordeaux. Uh, uh, Period. That sort of I, don't, I don't see Scarlet Ford at all. What are you talking about? Now, now, uh, now they're playing tug of war with with uh, Bianca's uh, braid. I want that woman at some one. point. Yeah, she, she's got to cut that thing. I tell you, it's, no, she's too she's too good for that to, to be. Yeah, but she's too good for that to need nah. to be the story all the time. No, um, that's her gimmick. No yeah. way. So after that, we see Paul Heyman. He's on the phone. He's talking to someone about the draft. He's saying, I'm glad we're finally on the same page about the draft. Um, yes, yes, yes. And then we see Kayla Braxton, you know, sidling in <laughs> with the microphone. He's like, yes, Kayla, what do you want? Are you jealous? Do you think I'm talking to other women? <laughs> <He's like that. laughs> do you think I'm talking to another journalist or a journalist? She's like, Paul, Paul, who are you talking to? It's like, it's none of your business. I'm taking care of business. Do you think I'm on the phone with Brock Lesnar? What if I am? I'm allowed to talk to Brock Lesnar. You know, I'm the advocate for the tribe, I'm the, or I'm the special counsel for the tribal chief. I have to I have to make sure that, you know, all of our ducks in a row and that our plans are aligned. I'm strategizing. And then the Usos come back and they're like, hey, we won. We got a party. And Paul's like, all right, Kayla, I got to go now. You know, some, something like mm-hmm. he's and he's like, call me or something like that. He did that. So there was that. But again, you know, more teasing about the Brock Lesnar stuff. Um, yep. The next match after that was the Matt Hardy, uh, Sheamus. Matt, Matt Hardy. You mean Jeff? Hardy. Oh, Jeff Hardy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sheamus, Damian Priest match for the U.S. title, triple threat, no disqualification. 
pretty good match. You know, they made Jeff look good, but uh, just just as we all, I mean, I think it went exactly as we said it. I mean, Jeff Hardy hit a hit a swanton on Sheamus, uh, or Sheamus hit a brogue on Matt Hardy, and Damian Priest came in and did his finisher on whichever guy was standing and and got the pin, and he got the pin on Sheamus. Uh, after that, him and Matt Hardy shook hands, and Matt Hardy, you know, made a thing of doing shame. Uh, I'm sorry, Damian Priest, you know, his bow and arrow uh, entrance, you know, uh, uh, machination. So, you know, Je- Jeff Hardy giving uh, Damian Priest the rub. There, there was really not a whole lot of tension in this match. No surprise, but it was it was fine. It worked pretty well, and obviously Jeff Hardy was there to, you know, arrange for the loss to be, you know so that neither of the guys who are still sort of featured um, look, looks look bad. Weak. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's just exactly how we called it. Um, going back to this match, man, it's still going Becky versus a lot of, a couple of false finishes here. It looks like they're rounding up near the end. Yeah. Bianca just did something that was really weird. It looks like she, she had Becky in a pinning predicament, but it's, but instead she opted to pick Becky up and slam her back down, which was a nice power move. But it looked like Becky's shoulders were on the mat. I am assuming what they what what they meant to do is have her shoulders up, and she'd have Bianca in a in a in a uh, submission of some sort. But it, it 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 just looked like a goofy decision from my vantage. Anyway, she kicked out, so it's immaterial. Yeah, but this is I mean this is a really good match. I mean, like I said, they're giving they're 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 telling the story that Bianca's no joke. Like she is. She needs to hang with Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, you know, all these women's champions. Look, I know I, this, the finish here is going to be Becky catches a quick one on Bianca. Probably. Yeah. All right. So let's try to cover some of the things that happened during the week of wrestling that we would have covered normally in more detail during our show. I mean, firstly, last week, most of you would probably be surprised to know that there was an impact pay-per-view. All, all you need to know is that Christian retained his, his, his impact championship over, I think the guy's name is Ace Austin. Uh, Josh Alexander walked out at the end and you know, right. to challenge him. So it looks like Josh Alexander is going to be the next challenger. Oh. Uh, in case you're interested, the Good Brothers also retain their tag team championships, which you would know if you watched, you know, e- either of the um, AEW programs this week. Yep. Are you are you watching? Are you up to where the running just happened? No, you must be ahead of me. So great. Um, I'll wait till I'll wait till you uh, catch up. Okay. So, all right. Anyway, um, sh- shall we talk about Grand Slam? Uh, not yet. Let's go through uh, maybe a couple news tidbits because there's a pretty big run in here. Okay. All right. So, some news tidbits. Um, up, up. Yep. Up. Sasha. Yep. There she is. There you go. We had Sasha Banks run in here to cost uh, Bianca this this title opportunity, um, and obviously uh, Bianca wins. But now you've got a face off. Oh, and now <laughs> Sasha is going after the champ, Becky Lynch. Oh, and now Bianca's uh, taking. Oh, sucker punched right there. Oh, Sasha is looking dominant. Sasha looking good. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Sasha is a Sasha is a fine looking woman. Yep, she's she's definitely oh giving everybody a backbreaker. What is what is she called? Becky looks now like she just came out of a dryer. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> I mean, it was a hard fought match, but look at this. 
Sasha Banks standing tall in front of uh, both Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch. Becky, Becky giving uh, Sasha the Orange Cassidy thumbs up. <laughs> we're cool, right? We're cool. You must, you must be about ninety seconds or two minutes ahead of me. Yeah, I'll pause for. Yep. I'll pause. Code breaker uh, or, or bank statement on Bianca. And now it looks like, oh, Becky tried to give a, a kick, but no, Sasha blocked it with a kick and another bank statement. So cool. This is great. You got you have three top women there, um, you know, and then you have sort of Liv and maybe Tony Storm and some other people in, in sort of next level down. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll just do something with Vega. Who knows? Uh, you got a draft. Was, this. This was excellent. Like, yep. Like, just like we were saying, this is, this sets up the draft very, very well. Bianca saves face by taking an L still looks strong because of this match. And Sasha's heat with both women. So whatever, whatever happens, keep them all in the same brand, split some of them up. It, it, it still works and still can make sense. And, you know, if, if whoever's not on the same brand, whenever they meet another time, you know, we can call that long-term booking. Yep. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's what Tony Khan does. Even if it's even if it's two years of long term booking, like a like Passover page. So, <laughs> yes. Sorry. So right. other some other little news bits, I guess. Um, we got an update from Stephen Pinu on the Ring of Honor lawsuit. By the time this show airs, they'll probably have had their hearing in Maryland State Court on the Joey Mercury case, where there's a motion to dismiss based on the binding arbitration clause. Uh, if you want to hear about that from both Stephen P. New, the case in total, including this, and from an independent labor attorney that practices in that federal district who addressed binding arbitration clauses and how he believes it, that there's a good chance that they will overcome that in state court based on Maryland law, um, you can listen to us at episodes 20 and 21. That is correct. Episodes 20 and 21. Episode 20, I think, is entitled... Uh earn your associate's degree in employment law. And then episode 21 is the, the case. Uh, the, the, I think it's called the curious case of uh, Ring of, uh, Kelly Klein versus ROH. Right. And uh, the labor attorney is Greg Greenberg. He's uh, in the DC area. And so he practices both in the state and federal courts and employment law and is expert in these areas. So he was on first. So we got an independent view first and Stephen News view. Um, I mean, it's a it's really two really good episodes. I mean, if you want to hear in depth analysis of w- what these cases are about and what is the topic of mitigation here and what professionals think the outcome is going to be, you definitely need to go back and listen to these two episodes. That's episodes twenty and twenty one. Um, yeah, I mean, very- a lot. A lot of people don't care about Ring of Honor. This has nothing to do with Ring of Honor because if they win this case, they're challenging the independent contractor status. And Ring of Honor, for as much control as they have, they don't have half the control that WWE has. So if Ring of Honor loses this case, especially in federal court, best believe it's going to be appealed. And I wouldn't be surprised if WWE doesn't file what's called an amicus brief, which is friend of the court. Uh, siding with Ring of Honor on this one because this could be an industry changer more than what's going on with Andrew Yang. But Andrew Yang, when he sent that tweet out and gave that labor attorney's information, that you notice that's what he said in the tweet. It wasn't about union unionizing or joining a guild. It was if you have been mischaracterized as an independent contractor, 
That's that is the issue, because I can tell you if you look up the IRS.gov or any whatever state you're in, if you look up from your state employment division or Department of Labor and look up the independent contractor tests and the factors and you read those uh, in, in the on the IRS, it's like 14 points. Some states it varies. It might be five. It might be 10. Any state you pick, if you read those factors and you see how much control WWE has over their talent, there's no way they fit into an independent contractor status. So keep in tuned and, and do check out at least those interviews on that show. Um, yep. and, and I just want to mention this again, because again, we've the last couple of weeks, again, lots of new listeners. Thank you guys for tuning in, whether you're listening to us on Spreaker, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of these great podcast platforms. Um, Hammerlock Hangover, we love talking about wrestling. And we want to bring you stuff that other uh, wrestling podcasters are not. This is some stuff that we can bring to you that other guys aren't because they don't have the subject matter knowledge. Jeff here is a lawyer by trade, if you didn't know that already. So Jeff definitely um, understands uh, different types of law and how things are... um, what would be the right word, Jeff? Well, I, I can sort of break down some of the issues for you and, and explain the, the difference between procedural and substantive and go. why some things make it to, to court, even though they seem like they're absurd, and why some things won't make it to court, uh, like the concussion suits, even though you think they might seem right. Um, you know, we also talk about trademarks and intellectual property yep. and, and contracts and Things of that nature. And, that, and that's, I mean, frankly, I'm, I'm more interested in, in the business of wrestling half the time than I am in the wrestling itself. So, uh, you know, so, you know, that that's part of where we try to distinguish ourselves a little bit um, from that. So we try to be a little bit WrestleNomics, a little bit, you know, wrestle talk, uh, news, et cetera. But uh, I think that's, a, I think we try to strike that balance. And, and I think we're the only ones that do so with, uh, you know, with our, with our certain panache. Um, Absolutely. So, Hey Jeff, while we're waiting for Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor, let's talk about another trial that um, we were kind of updating everybody on throughout the last several um, podcast episodes. And that's the Randy Orton tattoo uh, artist trial. Okay. So uh, all you need to know for the moment is that the trial date has been moved. It's been postponed and they got a new trial date at some time in the future. It, it's it's not exactly on the near horizon, so I, I don't recall the date. But just to rehash the issues there, there is a tattoo artist who sued Randy Orton and a vid- the video game maker, not WWE itself, for copyright infringement on the tattoo artist's work. Uh, Randy Orton's defense is, hey, it was my idea. You you put it. You just put it on my body. Now, the default in copyright law is that if there's no written agreement to the contrary. The copyright belongs to the content creator. Everything else requires a contract, work made for hire. So think of comic books. You know, you, you know who the artist is, you know who the writer is, but it's still owned by Marvel. When there's movies, it's still owned by the studio, the production company. It, it's not owned by the writer. It's not owned by the director. It's not owned by the actors, et cetera. Same thing. Um, now, WWE, I'm sorry, not WWE, but Randy Orton and the video game maker are relying on a couple things. 
One, implied consent, basically saying when you put a tattoo on a celebrity's body or really anyone's body, you should know that it, it might be shown in the public sphere. Um, the other thing that they rely on greatly is that there was an NBA case, also with a video game, where uh, there was a lawsuit by another tattoo artist who lost their case. Uh, but one of the grounds, not the only ground, one of them was implying consent, but one of the other grounds was that you can't really tell the tattoos. You can't see what it looks like. They also said that people don't buy the game for the tattoo likeness. They buy the game because it's the NBA and people are going to buy NBA 2K or whatever it was, whatever year it was, 2015, no, no matter what. Um, what's the difference now? Graphics are better. Uh, you can definitely make out the specifics of the tattoo. Um, now, that doesn't vitiate the, the, the argument that, hey, it's implied consent. You knew Randy Orton was a celebrity. It, it's not even like it was somebody got lucky. He was already famous when he got these tattoos. I think it was 2005. Uh, he was already a star on the rise. Wrestling was bigger back then. Um, so he already knew that the guy was going to be on TV, which is probably why he didn't sue WWE. But, you know, video games were not new then. WWE was making games, you know, every year or every couple of years then. So he should have known that too. Um, the other defense is will be, uh, beyond implied consent will be that we don't you don't buy a video game. Nobody buys a video game because of the tattoos on Randy Orton. It's de minimis. There's a similar case in the movie Seven where there was a uh, an artist either photograph or painting in the background of the room where they pulled the the the, the girlfriend's head severed head yeah. out of the box at the end, and the court said nobody was paying attention to your photo. That's de minimis. It just happens to be in the background. So, you know, de minimis will probably be something else that comes up, but they'll, you know, but they may or may not have the argument anymore that you can't tell what the tattoo is. And that is one of the things the court relied on. So the court may have to drop one of the defenses the court itself used in the past, which they don't normally love doing, but we shall see. So, that's there's a little nuance there. And I know it seems obvious to a lot of folks that, you know, if you get a tattoo on your body, you know, your body is your canvas. Um, but it's it's not yet clear cut. There's no law that says that yet. Um, so we will see. Uh, I do expect that the tattoo artists will probably lose. They're clearly not settling because that would create terrible precedent. Um, you know, not not necessarily mean bad, but it would open the door to tons and tons of litigation. Uh, WWE showing someone people being able to stream on their cameras live to show that they're not the bad guys. And it's not like AEW lets fans live stream um, <laughs> while they're at a show. Um, so so that's what's going on with that. A um, couple other let's, quick hit news stories. Yeah, MVP. Let's, 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 yeah, let's cover some injuries. Okay. MVP's having surgery. It's on his knee. The excuse is that he had his rib injured. Sammy Callahan had a severe break of his ankle and other parts of his legs, like, like critical, like tragic. They said he's going to be out of action until 2022. It may be way into 2022. Ooh. Same week, Mahabali Shira also got injured. Uh, it's not, it's certainly not as severe, but he, he has been, he was written off of storylines for the, these, these current tapings. So whenever the next set of tapings are, he won't be on them. And so he'll, he's out at least until whenever the following set of tapings is, which I think Impact does them every 8 to 12 weeks. I'm not exactly sure, but who knows if it'll be beyond that. Grand Metalik has asked for his release. It hasn't been granted. 
Uh, he's not a free agent until 2023. I mean, I, I don't really know that there's any value in Grand Metalik. Um, I'm sure Lindsay Dorado isn't happy about that choice. It's interesting. Sure he also didn't ask for his release. But <laughs> Lindsay Dorado is probably like, mira, puto, callate. Shut your exactly. mouth. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember one of these guys said, yeah, I'm not doing anything, but I've never, I've never made this kind of money. And I think it was Lindsay Dorado that said that. And I, I don't, I don't know these guys who, who want to be free agents yet because it's, it's very much a buyer's market. Like nobody's bidding for low end wrestlers. You can sort of pick, you know, you can sort of pick and choose them. And then the other guys, it's not like there's bidding wars against uh, for them. It's that they can afford to make a choice. Like the uh, Adam Coles and uh, Brian Danielsons and CM Punk's, they, they, they can pick and choose. A actually, in CM Punk's choice, I mean, WWE opted not to sign him even after Fox said, hey. We'll pay his contract, sign CM Punk. And by the way, Fox is 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 rumored to be not at all happy with WWE. They they expect expected over threes, and they're especially upset they didn't sign CM Punk, especially after they basically offered to pay the contract. That's nonsense. I don't believe that story whatsoever. I mean, what is what is WWE uh, not WWE? What is Fox going to put on on Friday night? Another episode of Nine One One? Like nobody's watching this nonsense. Hell's Kitchen? Come on, please. It, it WWE all, is slowly creeping up to three. Relax no, yourself, not. Fox. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it, it seems to be stabilizing around 2.2, but it was at 2.3. Anyway, I, what else are they going to put on? It doesn't necessarily matter what they're going to what they're going to put on versus they're what it would winning, cost. But they're yes. still winning the night. It's like, all what? costs benefited. They pay two hundred and fifty million dollars a year for SmackDown. And they're not happy about NBC and Comcast having Peacock. So they feel like they got gypped in that and they're sort of being competed with against by their own product. Now, that's stupid. But, but, they should have made a bid. Hold on a second, Jeff. What competition? Fox doesn't have a streaming service. I know. Well, they could have made one. I mean, that's the answer to that. You knew that we were already in bed with USA. You knew we already had our own network. What's the difference if Peacock gets it versus our network? This um, is why I think it's bullshit. I think this is uh, speculation from uh, the dirt sheets. What, what I don't know is whether or not Fox owns a competing cable company or not. Um, well, it might be speculation, but I, I've but I've heard this from a lot of sources uh, over a lot of time. By the way, the, the demon is getting a spectacular entrance. It's like a red swirling vortex, almost like a hurricane uh, effect in the sky. There's yeah, ooh, uh, there's tentacles too. Smoke. Yeah, there's uh, there's red fire coming down. So they're, they're definitely making treating him like a star coming into this entrance. So that's all pretty cool. Um, oh, yeah, there's, think, yep, you, you got Cthulhu coming out of this portal. My goodness. <laughs> do you think that they do this because they're like, we know AEW can't do, do this this better than us. I don't know, so but you should just... be happy because there's all these hands coming out of what looks like, you know, is the cartoon surface there, like, like zombies coming out of the ground, demons emerging. That should make you happy. You love zombies. I, yeah, I love zombies. You know, the, what the hands remind me of is, you know, when Toxic Attraction shows up on my screen on Tuesday nights, I also mm -hmm. reach my hands out, but I try to like reach them into the TV screen uh -huh. and I, I try to touch, you know, touch Mandy Rose, but I can't. That is so much better than where I thought you were going to go with that. So great. <laughs> one, don't give up. One day it'll work. Just like Bugs Bunny. Maybe if you paint the, on the TV screen, it'll work. Like you paint a little <laughs> hole on it, your hand will go through um so in other news uh aw and the owen hart foundation has come to an agreement they're gonna have an annual tournament called the owen they're gonna do action figures they've got 
t-shirts. Uh, now there were already Owen Hart t-shirts on pro wrestling tees, but this is in partnership and I guess it'll get bigger broadcast and, you know, a lot of AW, I mean, I'm sorry, WWE fans are upset about it, even saying absurd things like Vince should sue. It's ridiculous. I mean, after Owen Hart's death, WWE actually sued his widow. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, he obviously she's not going to forgive that. I know that, you know, Brett and a lot of the Hearts would like her to probably because they want to keep their relationships open and also because they probably thought that Owen's legacy would be more financially solvent and, you know, a better stream with WWE long-term. But, you know, uh, Martha has made her decision. And, you know, anyway, this is cool. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see Owen's Hart's legacy, you know, on one of the two biggest promotions, you know, existing and, and carried on. And I think that's cool. Um, do you Do you think that, if AEW makes this tournament like a bunch of bums, like Lee Moriarty and like Danny Garcia, you think like after they like have a bunch of like just the job squad of, you know, usual dark and elevation contestants. Those guys are um, all 11 and 0 on dark. <laughs> are you really 11 and 0 if nobody's watching? So <laughs> if, if you have a bunch of nobodies on this tournament and then, it flops. Do you think that they go from calling it the Owen to the Nugget? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm disappointed. I thought you were going to get a bigger laugh. <laughs> now, it, it, what would be funny is if what you won was like sort of a version of two Slammies fused together. <laughs> that was your trophy. That'd be great. That, I mean, that would that would be epic trolling. I mean, I, I would support that kind of trolling. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, so I don't know. This is pretty cool. I you know, I don't think they're gonna. I, I, you know, I mean, they may throw out a, people that we think are jobbers, but it won't be because they think they're jobbers. Like so, if they throw in, you know, Dante Martin and, and Daniel Garcia as part of the contestants, you know, it'll be because they think that that they are big stars. Um, but no, but, but, but come on, we 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 don't live in fantasy land. We didn't take the blue pill in in the Matrix. This is uh, nonsense. The uh, uh, Fuego del Sol is a jobber. Dante Garcia, or whatever his name is, Danny Garcia is uh, a jobber. Dante Martin is a jobber. They're all jobbers. And if well, you think so, otherwise, you're sadly mistaken. Well, somebody's got to lose in the first round, and somebody's got to get the surprise Cinderella upset in the first and second round in any tournament. So you're going to have to have some of those people. And, you know, it's a good place to put people who – aren't really being necessarily featured or in prominent storylines, you know, right now, like a, like a Hobbs, like a cage, like an Andrade, like a pack people who have sort of been, you know, forgotten a little bit um, who, you know, maybe that's something for Christian to, to do and put, you know, uh, what they think is a young star over, you know, cause that's what he should be doing at this point is putting people over. I think that they've given him enough respect with a win over Omega on TV, albeit for the impact title. Um, but yeah, I you know I, I think this is a positive thing. I don't I don't think there's any reason to shit on it too much. Um, yeah, we're watching uh, Roman Reigns versus the Bal the Demon Finn Balor, and early on, the Demon uh, jumps on Roman Reigns' back and tries to what looks like stretch his jaw off of his face, and it looked like it looked like Finn was trying to crawl into his mouth. <laughs> I've never seen that before, Jeff. 
Well, it's because he's got teeth and, and his tongue painted all over his chest. So yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of like a carnage eating carnage thing or carnage eating venom kind of image That's there. Right. And this is an extreme rules match. Now I'm watching uh, Roman what, roll to the to the outside what, to grab a, a cane. What does extreme rules mean? It, does it just mean no disqualification? Uh, for the rest of the, the show, it meant nothing. <laughs> but for this match, it means anything goes. Is it false count anywhere or just no disqualification? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, he's got right. a special Singapore. Right. Extreme King. Rules used to be the, the title of a show, not the stipulation itself. There were stipulations in Extreme Rules. All right, so Roman picked out a kendo stick and the demon picks out like a like six kendo sticks that are all taped together with a base of a, of a seventh kendo stick. So he's keep, he basically leveled up, leveled up, leveled up on the kendo stick. And now he's clobbering Roman with that. While this is going, I think maybe I'll go through some of the ratings because I don't know if something big is going to happen. I doubt it because it's only 1033 and this match has to go another 20 minutes. Um, yeah. But last week, SmackDown ended up with a 2.243. Just so that you know, this week, the weekend SmackDown came in at about 2.087, but it usually goes up on Monday. I know that in some of the past weeks that was different, but that's because of NFL preseason games, especially in some of the major markets. That's done. So I don't know why they don't count fully or, uh, or why it trends up on Monday, but these are the numbers that we always use and everybody does. So they're expecting it to end up at around a 2-2. So we'll, we'll know Monday around 4, 430. Rampage did 642,000 last week. Um, the cable networks don't report. Only the, only the broadcast networks report. So we don't have any preliminaries on what Rampage did on night two of Grand Slam. So look for that. Um, prediction, uh, I'm going to say that they do a little bit better, but because I didn't think their numbers were so great on Grand Slam, I, I completely overestimate. I thought it was going to be 1.5 million. It was 1.273, which is good, great for a regular Dynamite, um, but not great for basically a free pay-per-view dream match spectacular. Um night at least not in my view um mm -hmm. you know maybe we won't remember this you know in six months or maybe we will uh in I, any I, of them. on the on the record remember last week i said ne nothing over 1.4 yeah and i that, was correct yeah but it's not like you said nothing over 1.275 either so you know i was right smart. and you were wrong jeff this That's is all I'm this saying. is this is true you, i was definitely wrong you were less wrong than i <laughs> under under prices right rules we were both wrong um <laughs> play by prices right rules the price of right rules always apply unless otherwise say <laughs> prices right rules always apply so i should have so going forward when we're talking about aw uh, ratings i should always bet one anyway <laughs> any any rating you should, you should do yeah um so i'm gonna go with rampage for this rampage at about seven twenty, I'm I'm I could see seven seven fifty. I'll I'll say seven fifty. This time no. I'll take the over. Okay. Impact two Thursdays ago, one hundred and five thousand, which was down six thousand from the week before. I don't know the numbers yet. They they're always impacts always rather delayed. Raw last week one point seven nine. So Biggie's you know first week as the champion. Slightly up, but not greatly up. Yeah, uh, no, 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 no. We say trending up around here. Trending you say up. trending up around here. Trending up. I trending say level towards, up. Trending towards two. 
I, I quote the goddess Cardi B. Level up, level up. <laughs> um, NXT, 746, so trending down. Um, I fully expect NXT to fall back into the sixes this week. I don't know how much time you want to spend on NXT. I didn't hate the show this week. I just find it to be a little bit disjointed and discombobulated still. And I'm not buying all of the new guys. I I dig the Creed brothers. I like that Brutus got a wrestler haircut. I like uh, Braun Breaker. I'm going to stop shitting on his name. I don't really care anymore about that. Um, there were some good matches on it. It's it's just, you know, and Toxic, toxic, toxic Attraction. Toxic Attraction. They were amazing. They, they, that was a great match, and 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 uh, Mandy Rose looks ooh la la. Um, toxic attraction is going to propel NXT 2.0 to one million viewers. I'm telling you right now. I'm predicting <laughs> well, it right now. If there was a reason, that might be it. Uh, and Alexa Lopez with a pretty good squash match over over Electra. Electra Lopez, like okay. Electra Nachios. Like Electra, the assassin from right. Daredevil, and Electra from um, uh, Oedipus. Right, exactly. Gotcha. All right, we've cool. Got, we've got now Roman Reigns and uh, the demon fighting in the audience. So there goes uh, Falls Count Anywhere. I'm really because... annoyed that you were ahead of me because, I mean, I just have regular Peacock. It's not like I started it later or anything. You know, um, it's because I pay, so I get I get a faster stream. <sighs> Well, I pay Comcast. My freaking cable bill was like three hundred dollars this month. Oh, but that's listen. That's because all of the porn you order. <laughs> this is sad but true about me. I really don't <laughs> watch porn. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I know why people would think that I do, and, and like, you know, and even when I do, there's only like a couple specific kinds I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, oh, did, and I, did, hold hold on a second. Are you caught up? Because Roman, no. they're, they're fighting in the audience. Mm-hmm. Are you up to that? I, well, they're fighting near like it looks like a glass uh, table or something where they have the extreme rules. Yeah, but you, did, did you notice that Roman put on a face mask? Oh, yeah. I see that. Yeah. I didn't, That's I didn't interesting. Do you, do you think that he put on this face mask just because he's in the audience? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Oh, I love it. I love it. He's, wrestling fans are dirty. Everyone knows that. Of course, this is. I, I had to wear my mask almost the entire time. Oh, he's, Finn Balor is kicking the mask off his face. <laughs> what, a, what a dick. I, I guess demons are immune. Um, <laughs> we already talked um, about Dynamite. Elevation this past week did 416. Uh, Dark did 411. Remember, these numbers are from Thursday. I haven't updated them. And I'm not going to bother giving you what we could go on two weeks ago. It's, it's just not that important. Um I think we can talk a little bit about Dark Side of the Ring, most recent to oldest, because the Chris Canyon one, I, you know, I think it was sad, but I didn't think it was particularly interesting. Um, most of most of his, you know, the, the one takeaway that I had, which I, you know, I don't know that anyone else has said it, and I don't know that anyone else has done the math, but Canyon died, he passed in 2006, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you know around how old he was when he passed? Fuck if I know, no. But he was at least late 30s. You know, he's at least mid to late 30s. He wasn't a kid. He had been around the wrestling game for a while, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean... I mean can, was, can you look was, it up while, while, while we're I here? I can't because I'm, I'm watching on my phone, but... Um, 
All right. I, I well, definitely like my if my memory serves me correctly, like he was big in WCW in the late nineties, early two thousands when WWE bought it over. So, you know, he he got over with Who Better Than Canyon. And Yeah, uh, no. And he'd been around for a while before that. I, I'm gonna, you know, I, you're gonna but, look it up. If you look it up, yeah. I, I just I'm, I'm gonna vamp here and talk yeah, about vamp. how how quickly Roman Reigns was was brought back to the ring by the demon, and it's just like magic. The demon throws Roman into the ring, and his face mask disappears. <laughs> Unless he stomped the shit out of it off, but no, you could easily see that Roman is wearing it because he's just afraid of the people that are in the audience. And I mean, let's be real. I mean, it's Ohio. I'd be afraid of catching something in Ohio during non-COVID times. So, okay. so Chris Canyon was born in 1970. He died 2010. So he was 40. He, he was, and he's born January. He died in April. So he was 40. Um, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because no one else is bringing it up, but one of the things, I mean, I don't like to speak ill of the dead at all, and I'm not necessarily saying anything. I'm not, I'm not saying anything outright, but all right, let me just say it. So anyone can decide <laughs> they agree that it's creepy, but the man was 40, three of the people that they interviewed for this show were the young bucks and Brian cage. The older buck, I think, just turned 34, 35. The younger buck is he a 30 or 31. Brian Cage is probably around the same age. Okay, it's 2021. So 11 years ago, they were, you know, one of them was 20, you know, 21. One of them was in their early 20s. By this time, they were already his best friends for several years, meaning that Chris Canyon, a late 30s year old man, that some of his best friends in the world were t late teenagers and early 20s. And, you know, that's sort of like a control thing. That's sort of like emotional blackmail. Even when he's calling, you know, Matt Jackson up, who was probably 21 at the time, and saying, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. So, you know, he couldn't do it with the big time wrestlers. He couldn't, you know, he was trying to keep his, I mean, his secret was out. But, you know, I, I guess he figured that, you know, if he ever wanted to get back into the big companies, he couldn't, he couldn't, you know, ply his trade on any of them or, or not ply his trade, but he couldn't, you know, show interest in any of them. Or maybe mm -hmm. he just wasn't interested in any of them. But these young guys, I, I just think it's a little creepy. And and it's not because he's gay. It's, it's any age. If it was a guy who's 35, who's hitting on 19 year old women, that's creepy, too. I mean, you know. Yeah, uh, but I mean, he wasn't. Not that we know of. He wasn't hitting on the Young Bucks or Brian Cage. Maybe he just kind of had this, um, I don't know. I, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, I'm a man in my 40s. You're in your 50s. None of us are hanging out on a regular basis with 20-year-olds is what you're saying. Right. And, you know, you're still with UPR. I was with UPR. There, there, was, there were people that were close to that age in that. Yeah. And, and, you know. I wasn't particularly close friends with them. Neither were you. We had we had the relationship that extended to UPR the end. You know, that Correct. that was we weren't, it. we weren't going out on a regular basis. Like I'm pretty sure if we were to break it down in a similar fashion, if either one of us were in a in an emotional distress type situation, 
we're not calling David the 19 year old to be telling him we're we're in emotional distress right yeah absolutely not and and, that's the point right the only people in that age range that I might call would be my children um and probably not for emotional distress either because you know (laughs) I mean (laughs) like they need that um but anyway um that, that, that's all I'm saying. And, and yeah. again, it's not a same sex thing. It's, it's simply an age thing. And those of you who are going to need your coat, well, they're legal. Well, maybe they were, cause we're not really sure when it started, but even if they're legal, it doesn't mean it's not creepy. Um, yeah, no, like we just said, like it has nothing to do with Chris being gay as much as just the age differential and like who you hang out in your cohort. Right. Like, yep. so yeah, I think that's fine. I I didn't know much about Chris Canyon. I didn't even, in fact, know that he was gay. And I've been watching and following wrestling for a long time up until this episode was going to air and everybody started talking about it. And I didn't even know like this was like a major thing, which I find odd because I also listen to Howard Stern on a regular basis. So um, the thing is... You know, he, he it wasn't a big deal. First of all, he didn't come out until after he was released by WWE. He wasn't released because of that, even though he accused them of that after the fact. But his best friend, Diamond Dallas Page, who was with WWE at the time, didn't know he was gay. So if his best friend didn't, didn't know, it's not like the boys in the locker room were whispering, we think Canyon's gay. And I, I don't think in 2005, 2006, anyone gave a damn at, at that point. In fact, uh, they pointed out that, that they wanted Orlando Jordan to uh, be WWE's first openly gay wrestler. And Canyon wrote a weird letter to Stephanie McMahon saying, please, please take me back. Let me do that. I'm the, I should be the first one. And she's oh, like, really? yeah, I'm sorry. We'll talk to, we'll talk to legal and then, and, and we'll get back to you. And they never did. And James Mitchell, who was his manager and one of his better friends um, said, said, you know, at this point, Canyon had become an unreliable narrator um, and nobody knew he was gay. I didn't even know he was gay. Um, and really, nobody really even cared. Um, so, do you think people believed him, or do you think like they, they were just that he was just saying that to I get think, back in? I think all I think all of these demons were in his head. I think the 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 you know you go for you go to victim status you go to victim syndrome so you know he, he's obviously you lose your dream job no one else is really hiring you except some indies um and then you go on howard stern and john cena in a separate interview says yeah he really isn't wasn't that good and then rick flair calls him while canyon's there saying at this point you're not good enough you're not good enough to be here now and you know and i'm thinking to myself no Canyon and Mortis were definitely good enough to be in WWE. But then I listened to the words because I know everyone, including me, is on Ric Flair's ass now based on the prior Dark Side of the Ring and, and it, you know, sort of his <laughs> what's come out about his life. But he didn't say you were never good enough. He said right now, now you're not good enough. And in 2006, maybe he wasn't. Maybe in 2005 he wasn't. I mean, you know, his his heyday was probably as Mortis and you know, when, when he first moved, when they first had the WCW, WWE sort of invasion kind of thing, he was a double yeah. champion for a bit. So, but then he got injured and he, then he had a, he, he got an infection from a steroids needle that he left out for four days. Um, and, you know, he, it's very possible he was never the same after that. And people tend not to get better when they age, unless your name is AJ Styles. Um, yeah. What were your thoughts on, on everybody kind of coming after, after this aired on, on Thursday, 
I felt like everybody was trying to come after John Cena. And I watched the clip to refresh my memory of what John Cena said. And pretty much, plain and simple, John said, Canyon wasn't good as a wrestler and he wasn't a character. And Vince, it's sports entertainment. Vince wants characters. He wants over-the-top, you know, guys and charisma. And Canyon didn't have that. And I found all of those statements to be quite accurate. Right. So, yeah. I, I, I again, I'm, I'm taking it as a moment in time. I'm not saying that Canyon was never good enough because he absolutely was. I love Mortis. I thought Mortis and Wrath were a great team. I think the Mortis versus Glacier was a, was a fun feud. Um, I thought the costume was badass. I was, I was, I liked who better than Canyon. Um, but you know, again, they're, they're speaking in 2005, 2006 or thereabouts. And at that point, this was after his layoff, his injury, uh, his, his ill-fated, uh, rehab attempt with steroids and it didn't work out for him. Um, so I'm not saying they were wrong. That's their opinion. Now, John Cena was also worked for the company. So he's always been a company man. He knew where his bread was buttered and look where he is sure. now. So he's sure. played everything. You can say what you want about John Cena, but he played everything right. I mean, I, I don't know too many people not named Tom Brady or The Rock. They wouldn't want to trade places with John Cena right now. Um, and maybe even them. Who knows? Um, but yeah, but uh, anyway, that that. My only takeaway was the creepiness of some of the choices of some of his best friends. The rest of it, I just thought it was a sad story. Um, but you know, you know, and and good luck trying to just good luck trying to get under John Cena's skin. He he's not he's not listening to you. He he's he's going to pay attention to Make a Wish ideas, and he's gonna he's gonna post a motivational statement every day. The end. Yep. I mean, even the the when uh, the what's it called? What was his movie? Not Justice League. What was uh, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad? came out and he got in trouble with China. Like that, that didn't even slow him down. Like you think. Well, Taiwan, he got in trouble about Taiwan, which which, which isn't a country. I mean, a lot of people, I know why people want it to be a country. I know why people think it's a country because we, we see things say made in Taiwan. And as long as most people have been alive, it's been, it's proclaimed itself an independent state. But it really isn't. Uh, yeah. But if China attacks it, it's going to be World War Three. Nevertheless, I don't want to get into all of that. But anyway, the the, the we can talk about this match because uh, what happened here is that the fiend did the I'm sorry the, the demon did the coup de gras fiend light. Um, and while he was in the Roman was in the pinning predicament, the Usus came out and pulled him out, and then they beat him up. There's so there's extreme rules, no disqualification. <laughs> Uh, the ref cleared them out. Um, the demon again uh, got into a position at the top rope to uh, apply his finisher to Roman, whatever he was going to try and do. The light sort of flickered and went out. And then when they came on, you could see like the top ropes, like all on all four quadrants broke. They came, they came off. And so Finn fell off uh, or the demon fell off and that allowed Roman the opportunity he needed to deliver the spear and, win and retain his title so there we go yep now what did you think of the match do you think that uh you know everybody's gonna say that roman here we go again i mean roman buried finn balor you think this was a burial no 
No, I, I thought it was a great match. I mean, first of all, they protected them. He, you know, it was a it was an extreme rule, so you knew there was going to be cheating. But once again, he relied on the Usos. Once again, something happened during the light where someone did something to the rings, whether it was the Usos or Paul or whatever. There's it's still ten fifty two, so something else is happening. Um, you know, I think they protected the demon character. They gave it an out, and then you know, Roman he. You know, he's won a lot of his matches this way, uh, you know, by cheating. That's great. It's, it's, it's fine. He's a heel. He beat regular Finn clean on SmackDown, and he beat the Demon through shenanigans on, on the pay-per-view. So it's all, it's all good by me. Yep. I, think, I thought it was very interesting that when Roman won the match, you know, he got the three count on Finn. He keeps looking up at the ceiling and you could hear him kind of mouth, thank you, God. <laughs> like, <laughs> which I thought it was funny to sell that uh, he just fought the devil or, or some messenger of the devil oh. and, and was able to survive it. So it's 10.53 awesome, awesome and the show went off the way off there. So nothing else is happening. So not, not a full three hour show, not counting the pre-show. Yeah, so what did you think of uh, the pay-per-view overall now that it's over? Again, same as before. I mean, I think that the the last two matches were certainly among the best. So, yeah, I, I would give this a, a thumbs up, and I would give this, you know, I'm grading this on a I'm not paying for it scale. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give it an A-. minus. I, I thought I thought it delivered. I thought the matches were fun. I thought the, the, the order of the matches were fun. Mm-hmm. There were no real surprises, but Sasha's always a good surprise. Uh, nothing with Brock. I was, you know, I think we were both expecting that. You really sold me on it. It sounded right. Um, but I, th- I thought it was a solid show. Now, if I paid 50 bucks for it, would I feel the same way? Probably not. I probably would have thought B minus C plus. But for either $9.99 on the network or included in my cable package for nothing, yeah, uh, A minus. Perfectly happy with the show. I mean, I, I tuned in late, but. Based upon the last two matches, the Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch match and the Roman Reigns match with Finn Balor, it's good wrestling. Good wrestling going on. Good wrestling storytelling, both in-ring. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was really good, man. Thumbs up on this uh, Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Yeah, and anyone who's been listening to the show for a while has known that I've been really down on, on WWE. Yes, you have. Especially let's, since they, they released Bray. Let's quickly talk about, we talked about Canyon, Dark Side. We talked about Fox being angry. A um, couple injuries that you missed. Nia Jax injured at Monday Night Raw during the match with Shayna Baszler. Well, that's, uh, we don't know if that's real or storyline. I think it's real. They showed us an x-ray. <laughs> Was it of the wrong arm like they did with Johnny Gargano? Shh. I don't know what you're talking about. And then in real life, uh, not in kayfabe, Billy Graham, superstar Billy Graham, it was hospitalized. So uh, best wishes out to Billy Graham. You were saying um, you were surprised it took this long. I mean, come on. The guy the guy was jacked to the gills using 70s and 80s steroids, you know, and then probably started way earlier than that. So he, he was using the horse steroids. He, was, he wasn't even <laughs> using the stuff like The Rock and Triple H used to you know keep them healthy into their into their 50s and still looking like that so yeah i mean but billy but he's also generally not healthy i mean he's lost both his legs he's 
He's, he, I think he smoked for a long time. It's, it's, you know, he's, he's just one of those guys that, that's defined death. He's, you know, it, it's like Game of Thrones. What do I say to death? Not today. Not today. <laughs> Valor Mogalis. Um, so, yeah, what? best wishes to Billy Graham, because despite as controversial as, as he's been, uh, despite how he seems to be sometimes an attention seeker and, and bitter, he was one of my favorites growing up. And Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Scott Steiner, and others completely stole his shit. They, they, they copied his look. They copied his gimmick. Um, and I was going to, I was going to ask you, cause there's always been a controversy between superstar Billy Graham, always claiming that Hogan stole his gimmick, Ventura stole his gimmick and they made a bunch of money. And meanwhile, he's a nobody. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, he, he was a little bit early. He, by the time that wrestling got big, he was on the older side of it and Hogan and Ventura were younger and, and already, you know, caught the star. Um, and yeah, their gimmicks were very similar. One was a heel, one was a face. So the both, both bases were covered. Uh, you know, they both went through the AWA and then to the WWF. Um, what are they going to do with him? I mean, it's, it's the same character. It, it's sort of what I say about AEW. A lot of their wrestlers are just fine, but they, but they seem to have, you know, like 30 of the same kind of wrestler. And then they've got uh, six of the other same kind of wrestler and, you know, 24 of the other same kind of team or whatever. So, um, you know, he, he was just a little too early and other people sort of capitalized on things. Like even Don Morocco took the beach bum thing uh, and he did the juice and got himself all, all you know, he became Don LaRock Morocco, uh, uh, Don LaRock Morocco as opposed to just Don Morocco. Yeah. Um, or Magnificent Morocco, who, who was sort of like a big bulky guy and then became a jacked guy. Um and he just like, you know, and maybe, maybe no one really liked working with him. I don't know. Maybe he's just one of those guys. I feel bad for him. But, you know, I think if he, if he came in five or six years later, or certainly 10 or 11 years later, you know, he could have like someplace like WCCW could have built around him. He could have been with their Sting and Luger and the Four Horsemen and, you know, Doom mm -hmm. and that group and, and Vader. And, and mm -hmm. you know, you, you never know what makes, a, what makes a promotion. That's true. That's a good point. Um, let's talk about um, we're sending out our best wishes to Billy Graham, sending out our best wishes to the Iconics. Looks like they've landed a new job and get to stick around the States for a little longer. Yeah, MLW has started a uh, women's division and they brought them in as, I think, what, the Sea Stars? That's that's what you reported the uh, the other day. Yeah, the Sea Stars. We'll see if we'll see if that <laughs> comes to fruition. See and if I they're did, stars, see what I did there. there yeah, that was great. Um, Marty Skrull is coming back. Talk about well, returns. Marty Skrull is coming back to professional wrestling in Puerto Rico. You can handle this one. I got, I got myself into all sorts of trouble on the first taping. I will just say this. Whether something was technically legal or not, first of all, it's dubious because the, the 16 year old woman was drunk, which which means that she can't give consent. Whatever it is, even legal, he was twenty six or, or he was twenty seven or twenty eight time. She's sixteen. That's creepy as fuck. I don't care how you look at it. Nobody should book him. He shouldn't have the platform for any sort of celebrity. I'm not saying he should never work again. I'm saying he should never work again in some place where he can get celebrity and make money off of autographs and whatever. And I understand it's a small promotion in Puerto Rico, 
But Marty Skrull, he can go work for DHL or Amazon or something like that. I'm totally, I'm, I'm totally against this, and they should be. This promotion should be shamed like New Japan Strong was. Um, yes, Marty Skrull doesn't belong in a business where he can enjoy celebrity, or if he earns his way into celebrity, it should be you know as a stand-up comedian or something else. Wow. I don't think there's anything else to cover. I mean, what else do we know? I mean, he's Marty Skrull and he's working in Puerto Rico in October yeah. for some Halloween Fright Fest wrestling promotion. We don't even know if it's a wrestling match. Well, that's true. Uh, that, that, that's a good point. We, we don't what know if, what it is. What if they have him wrestle a, uh, a woman? <laughs> Inappropriate? I hope the woman wins. I mean, whatever it is, I, I hope I hope they shoot nut job him and, and <laughs> they win. So yeah, uh, I don't even care. I don't even care yeah. if it's Tessa. Wow, and oh, what about yeah? What that would be a good match. You just have Tessa beat the shit out of him. Um, speaking of um, inappropriate acts with women, let's talk about the other dark side of the ring episode that caught a lot of flack, even more than the Canyon one, and that was the plane ride from hell. What were your thoughts on this episode, and also the backlash that not only Ric Flair caught, but Tommy Dreamer? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to put these into different buckets. First, the episode itself. We know a lot of this. We've heard a lot of this, but certainly hearing from the flight attendant and then hearing about the lawsuit filed by the other flight attendant made made it hit home. It 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 sort of took it from sophomore boys being boys, fraternity, uh, locker room kind of humor to something that was you know felt a little bit scary. And and obviously the whole flight was you know, riddled with all sorts of shenanigans, the, the Michael Hayes hitting JBL, Brock Lesnar and Kurt Henning fighting and scaring the bejesus out of everybody by, you know, turning on the alarms by the safety door, um, you know, all, you know, all sorts of bad behavior and, and, and things like that. But the stuff with Flair revealing himself, first of all, that's inappropriate, but we know that that's already baked into the cake. Um, it wasn't appropriate then. It's certainly not appropriate now. I mean, the world has changed a lot in five years, so it's probably 10 times less appropriate now, or at least accepted now. Uh, we could argue about appropriateness or discuss that it was never appropriate. And, and you know, I, I would probably agree with you if you would say it was never appropriate. I would definitely agree with you. Um, and on top of that, he didn't just expose himself. He did the helicopter, which meant he gyrated to spin his member around like a helicopter um, blade, like a whirlybird propeller right um and on top of that he sort of cornered one of the flight attendants her name was heidi doyle in the back cabin the rear cabin where there's literally no escape even though there's no escape from an airplane at thirty thousand feet anyway which makes this double bad and she said that he took her arm and put it on his on his member um well that's that's felonious assault and that's disgusting um and it's criminal and it's terrifying. And, you know, she got a lot of pressure from the airline. They, they're they a private airline. They cater to sports teams, mostly male sports teams. They're like, things like this are going to happen. They, this is big money contract. Uh, it's best if you don't say anything. Uh, this is way before Me Too and speaking out. Her husband sort of agreed. He's like, listen, this is going to embarrass the family. It's going to embarrass the kids. It's going to embarrass you. Uh, the other flight attendant, if they feel the same way, she filed a lawsuit. Uh, this flight attendant uh, joined in that lawsuit. Um, they they both got settlements, which people are like, well, she took money. 
Yes, yeah, so would you. I mean, if you get into a car accident, you take money. No, nobody's making your back better. No, you know, if you know, if if your if a if your neighbor ignored their rotting tree for three years and it falls on your house, you take money. Uh, you, you know, you don't get money because they were a shitty neighbor for three years. You get money to to replace it and then uh, do the damages. So that that that's that's what our system does. They can give they can give money and certain other kinds of equitable relief, but they can't bring back a, a person's mental health or their stability or their happiness or, or erase the past. There's no men in black, you know, memory eraser pens. So that's that on that side of things. Um, Flair with his statement the day after it started off by saying my attorneys, my advisors, uh, my wife and friends all tell me not to say anything. Full stop. <laughs> he should have taken their advice, the end of it. And then he went off talking about how some guy named Rory was a liar who wasn't even involved with the show. And the reason why it's never come up that, that I've never touched anyone and it's because it never happened. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that he's, wrong or lying but first of all he was drunk as hell for lots of his life and stoned as hell for lots of his life so he might not exactly be the most reliable narrator either also nobody was sure that bill cosby or r kelly were abusers but when one person spoke out then all of a sudden like a couple dozen others um so i i wouldn't be so sure that this is the last we're going to hear from people about mr flair um what scott hall did was terrifying now, Scott Hall had drug abuse and alcohol abuse to another level. That doesn't give him a pass, but maybe it makes it less malicious, I, I guess. But I, I don't know. It just it, it earned its name as the plane ride from hell. Now, the other bucket I'm going to put this into, oh, we, it did come out during the course of the week that Heidi Doyle, she'd been involved in some like jewel heist scheme, which, you know, people are trying to use that to impeach her credibility you don't always have perfect victims. In fact, you usually don't have perfect victims. Does that look good? No, it doesn't look good. Um, I guess people can judge for themselves. I'm not really going to touch on that much or anymore, but I, I suspect at some point she lost her job and got, got pretty desperate. I, I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to try and excuse it or, or advocate for her on that. I'm just going to say that I'm not going to weigh that into this, into this conversation. Um, there was, uh, but there was a lot of misreporting. Like some of the people who were on the flight weren't on the flight. Uh, I think The Undertaker was misreported. Kurt Angle was misreported. But most importantly, Vince and Minda, Linda McMahon were reported as being on the flight. They weren't on the flight, which not on this flight, right? Not on this flight. But this—that's what this—that's what this show was about. They they conflated a bunch of flights together where there were other shenanigans, but not to this level. Apparently, Flair exposed himself all the time to the boys and to the gals. Um, so you know, it's clear. Listen, I'm a man, and I'm not going to pretend that I'm not a man, and I'm not going to pretend that I wasn't a fraternity. I'm not going to pretend that I didn't play sports. I wasn't in gym and locker room and didn't go to camp. Boys are boys, but there's a big difference when you're in a locker room or a fraternity, you know, and act a certain way, you know, with your buddies, your pals, whatever, you know, not cornering women, not being abusive and having and acting like a bunch of idiots in private versus transporting that to the public world, especially an airplane. I mean, especially an airplane. I mean, you know, other than other than the ship and alien, there's there's no other thing that, that's so remote. <laughs> so, I mean, literally there was no place for, 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 to run. Um, but the, and Ripley wouldn't take that shit. No, Ripley wouldn't take that shit. 
But the fact that they reported the McMahons were on the flight, you know, that was really troubling to me. I'm like, why did Vince tell JR to do it? Why didn't Vince and Linda put a lid on that shit? And well, now they're, now it makes sense. It's not because he didn't give a shit. It's not because he told JR to take the shit job, which is basically what JR was saying. But who knows what, what they were asking JR about when he, when he gave that quote. Um, anyway, the McMahons were not on that flight, so they didn't have a chance to say cut the shit because they weren't there. And I'm actually glad for that because if Vince and Linda let that go, I mean, especially Linda, um, I'll either of them. Uh, it's a bad look. It's just bad. It's bad in reality. It's it's still a bad look, but it's better that, that they didn't do it while the boss was there. Um, yeah. The other bucket yeah. is Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. And Tommy Dreamer at this time was low man on the totem pole. So I don't know why he got so much airtime, but Tommy Dreamer not only has been working in this industry for 30 years, but he's also in podcasting. So he's in the media. He's social media savvy. He's media savvy. And what he said and the way he said it was atrocious. And he had to know better. I don't care what kind of questions they gave him. I don't know what kind of, you know, winks and nods they gave him to, to get him off guard. He should know better or that's really the way he thinks. And so Tommy Dreamer got suspended from Impact. He got suspended from Busted Open Radio. I don't know the length of these suspensions. I suspect neither of, the, neither of those organizations quite have figured that out yet either. But I think that even though Tommy Dreamer probably didn't do much on the flight itself, um, in this day and age, he had to know better. And, and you know, I think he sort of, I think the punishment sort of fits the crime. Crime, you live in the public, you, you get, you get tried in the public. So anyway, I, I know that I took up a lot of the airtime there. So no, I'll, I'll yield right, to you. All good, all good points. And I think we, we are in agreement with most of those points. I mean, uh, I don't think there's anything that you said that I feel needs more elaboration. Um, cool. I just don't, the one thing that I will point out is I was shocked to see the social media reaction for Tommy dreamer. Not the fact that people were surprised by what he said, but in my echo chamber of social media and wrestling social media, I found it. I found more people upset with Tommy Dreamer than Ric Flair himself. And the reasoning was well, we expect this from Rick. We didn't expect this type of behavior from Tommy. Tommy's a good guy. Tommy's a face. He's a ECW legend, whatever, whatever, whatever. And for him to just so cold heartedly uh, victim shame was so out of left field that he's a complete douchebag. And I thought that outcry, that response was unwarranted because yeah, he said some, heinous shit but he didn't whip his dick out and start twirling it around uh like a propeller that's the more heinous act so for people to just scoff at well that's just flair being flair but tommy dreamer oh my god what did he say he's an asshole like i thought that was just out of line that's it yeah, I, I understand that. And I, and I understand why you feel that way. And I understand why a lot of people feel that way. And I can't tell you that it's entirely wrong. But 
you know, for the last several years, you know, there's been, you know, words are violence, you know, there, there's, you know, that, that, that's sort of one of the sayings these days. And whether you agree with that or not, uh, and I think it gets taken to an extreme in, in some cases as well, but all I'm saying is that Tommy Dreamer had to know better and he didn't. Oh, and because he should know better and still said it, it's probably because he meant it. Um, and yeah. you don't get to do that. Even Rob Van Dam knew better than to go there. Even Rob Van Dam knew to say these guys were being freaks there. That, that, that I don't know what was going on. I mean, Rob and, Van Dam and knew he's better. He's a major freak. Like you see him and right. his uh, wife or girlfriend. I don't even know what. Well, he's got one of each. Oh Jesus! Because <laughs> it's like a throuple. You're right. You're right. And it's like I know. Look at look at the lifestyle that he's living out in the open. Um, but yeah. Um, all right, so that closes up Dark Side uh, for this week, at least. Well, by the uh, way, with Flair, Flair got some backlash too. I mean, he, um, you know, everyone's saying they, they said the Car Shield was going to pull their ads. That's not, ex and everyone's saying, well, I'm still seeing those ads all over the place. Yes, yeah, so am I. What they decided to, I mean, they already paid for those ads. They're already running, so they're not going to yep. pull them. What they said they're going to do is they they were going to cut a second commercial, and they canceled that. So we'll see if that ends up being true, if they'll ride or if they'll ride the the, the storm out and do another one. But it, what it was, what they decided to do is is not take back all their ads because it's not like you get a refund because the guy you hired had a bad you know has has an image problem. You know you you have to you know you you know the the stations keep their money and you know they just fill it in with you know. A pillow guy, you know, putting an ad on there. Or whatever. Oh no, not that guy. <laughs> or, or like the the forever pots, you know, whatever. Or Marty Skrull. Or a plaintiff's attorney, you know. Uh, I'll get you wages. A anyway, um, <laughs> but it, they were going to do a second commercial, and they they, as far as I know, they have opted not to do another commercial. All righty, that covers that. Last thing, um, I mean. The last piece of WWE news that we have is Keith Lee changing his name to Bearcat Lee. There's rumors of this. I haven't seen Keith Lee deny these requests or anybody deny the fact that he's changed his name and has a new gimmick. Um, what are your thoughts on Bearcat Lee? I have no thoughts on it. Uh, I mean, I know that one of the, uh, in the 60s, there was a African-American wrestler, Bearcat night maybe i think and, right and he was a champion in sort of a spin-off promotion from i think the nwa mm -hmm. maybe it's an honor to that gentleman uh i know keith lee didn't play football for the bearcats because i know he played for a texas team i think a and t um so i you know i don't think he's from cincinnati which i, I think that's their football team also is the bearcats I don't know, but I don't think who cares. I mean, it's it's a nickname. It's 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 it, it doesn't really change much, and it, it doesn't tell a story whether it's a heel or a face. I mean, it, and it might have been his idea. And I mean, I don't think it's a terrible nickname. I I have no thoughts on it. Let, let let's see how they use it. Let's see if they use it. Um, you know, right now it's only on dark matches. They're still very much trying to figure out what to do with him, or maybe they're he's trying to work himself back into shape. I I don't know. I mean, things like nicknames or calling someone Braun Breaker instead of Rex Steiner, it doesn't bother me very much. Now, Oni Lorcan's a stupid name, but I mean, does anyone complain about his name now? They changed it four years ago. You, people get you get used to stuff. So, 
that's it. I, I have, I have, I have no firm thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, all, the the only thing I have to say about it is the same thing. Let's take a wait and see approach with this. Everybody, chill out, tranquilo, chill it. You know, let's see if he, um, let's see what happens. You know, maybe like Nikki Ash, this is, you know, Keith Lee's idea. He says, hey. Vince wants me to rebrand. He wants me to spice it up. I look back into the history books. I see that there's a lot of African-American wrestlers by the name of Bearcat. Or I remember watching, growing up, watching Bearcat. And he's a big influence. And he made me want to get into the business. We don't know the story. Let it play out. Instead of just shitting all over it. The minute it gets announced and be like, Oh, typical WWE. They're going to fuck this up. Let it play out. You don't. You never know. Shane Thorne too. Shane Thorne uh, just came out and said that he's his new gimmick is just all his idea. Same thing because everybody was like, I don't like Shane Thorne. He was, <laughs> I don't like his, his new uh, out outback gimmick. Yeah, well, I don't much like his outback gimmick either. But yes, it was it was his it's idea. idea. <laughs> yeah, it's his. Idea. And he is Australian. Yeah, so let him let him rock it and let's see where what it goes. Maybe maybe that shit's real over in fucking Australia. And maybe he gets booed the fuck out of New Zealand. Who knows? Let's just wait and see. Yeah, I, I don't really know. But, uh, you know, it's his idea. And you never know what's going to work and what's not going to work. And listen, I always complain that there's not enough characters. He's trying with a character. I'm not saying that Outback Jack was the greatest wrestling character of all time. It's not like Crocodile Dundee is a new movie. But yeah. like I said, let, let, let's see what he does. I, I don't think anything great is going to come of it, but we haven't seen it on the big screen yet, and it was his idea. So let's go. I mean, yep. just 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 leave the man alone. There you go. Let's just wait and see. All right, Jeff. Let's talk about AEW. When we first recorded this episode, um, this was the lead story, and now you know, a couple days later, things change. So. Let's talk about AW Grand Slam, AW Dynamite Grand Slam, um, and the Rampage episode. Now you've been sure. able to see the Rampage episode. We were, Absolutely. I was just giving you spoilers uh, from what I saw live there, and I was live at Arthur Ashe Stadium, uh, so I can give you my thoughts on that. Overall, top to bottom, uh, Dynamite. What did you think? I actually thought Dynamite was uh, a pretty darn good show. Um in hindsight, I probably would have changed the order of the matches somewhat. I probably would have put the feel-good match first, Sting and Darby versus FTR, where the faces go over. I probably would have put Omega and Danielson right at the 8.45 time slot, so they go the full half hour to uh, 9.15, and that way the audience is sort of committed into the second hour. Um, you know, I, there's a pro and con. I mean, I like how AEW doesn't make people wait. They, they you know, they put CM Punk's debut right at right at the beginning of the show. That's the first thing when you turn on the show on his debut, his music comes out, he comes out, he got all, he had all the time in the world. They put Omega and Brian Danielson right at the right at the top of the card. Don't make you wait, but I don't know. I mean, I again, I think that they could have had much higher ratings. The quarterlies haven't come out. If that match did 1.6 million, you know, and they put it in a different time slot, would it have gotten to my 1.5 overall? Maybe, maybe not. We'll we'll see. We'll know more next week when we know the quarterlies. But um, I thought that match was great. I know people are calling it an instant classic. 
I would agree. It's a it's an instant classic, but I wouldn't call it an all time great mm. uh, match. But it was very good. Um, there was some. Good. We saw Brian do some things we haven't seen him do, do in fifteen years. That was pretty cool. There was also some spots where I was a little bit worried about you know his neck. I just hope he's right about his health and Vince is wrong about his health. But I, I thought this was a very good match. There, both their chests were shredded to hell. They were red as tomatoes. Um, I thought this was a good match. There was no interference. It was a time limit draw, which a lot of people expected, including you. Uh, I thought that Brian was going to get the, I'm sorry. Yeah. Brian was going to get the win. Uh, this was a non-title match, but no, it was a, a time limit draw. So, you know, I, I don't have any issue with that Two, They're supposed to be two of the best in the world. And they went blow for blow. And I, I thought it was a, you know, it, Listen, if a 30-minute match holds my attention for 25 of those 30 minutes, that's a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah, I, I too, had the same concerns about this being the opening match as you did. I was watching it live, and I said, oh, wow, like, we're really going to go here. And um, immediately after that, I thought, well, what the fuck is going to be the main event? And I looked at my buddies, and I said, what do, what do, we, what do we got here? And they were like, well, the women's world title match. I said, well, oh, that sounds a little uh, like a bold move there, Cotton, because why would <laughs> why would we uh, put Britt Baker and Ruby Soho? Like, I know they've got a lot of faith in Britt, but Ruby Soho, I mean, she wasn't really that over in WWE to begin with. And as you saw by her entrance, she's not exactly all that over in AEW as well. She, she gets got no a reaction. Quick pop. She got a quick pop and then silence. And then also this... I don't know if it was, I know I was exhausted by the end of Dynamite just because we put out a lot of energy throughout the the episode. And so when we got to Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho, everybody seemed exhausted and winded. And it was, it was kind of like they started this your chant, which is synonymous with New York. And it doesn't really mean anything. I know you're looking at me like, what does this mean? And um, as we've discussed before, it doesn't really mean anything. It's just kind of like a cat call. Like and my whole family lives in New York. Never heard it. It, it, it must be for the, the lower you're, classes. But your, your family's not deep in the streets. No. <laughs> they, you know, they, I mean, unless you're talking about the streets that are they were shown in. Um, what was that? That miniseries they just had with uh, um, uh, Hugh Grant where he. Down uh, Abbey. No, no, the undoing. If you're talking about the streets like from the undoing and sex in the city, yeah, those are the streets that my family. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not talking. In fact, I recognize some of those places. I'm like, Jessica, that's my sister in law. Like, Jessica, we've we've gone there, we've gone there for breakfast. She's like, How do you recognize it? I'm like, I've been to your place a hundred times. What do you mean? How do I recognize it? I recognize it because the the La Satane store is right there, and I always need to get the aftershave bomb. Do you, um, you should go the next time you see your parents in what is Long Island they live? They live in Long Island, but my my brother and his wife and the three kids, they live on the Upper East Side. Just hit them up with a yer and see what they say. They'll have no like, idea. Listen, they didn't know what Karen meant, and my sister-in-law's sister's name is Karen. So... <laughs> The only person who knew what I was talking about, the only person, this was a Thanksgiving dinner and there were like probably 25 people there. The only person who even knew that that was, a, that that was like an insult was yeah. Karen's husband. His name is Jeff also. 
but he's really he's really cool and really smart and he listens to podcasts and he he's also the only one there who knew what the word woke meant everyone's else like, what are you talking about i'm like what are you talking about this city made up these terms what are you what? <laughs> and now so, you're wondering that why these people don't know uh your because they don't care they, they, they don't care about any of it. They're, they're the one, you know, yeah, it's, you're right. It speaks for itself. If they were in Pittsburgh, they wouldn't be saying you wins either. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, going back to David, uh, to David, Dylan. Um, Brian, Danielson, and Ken Omega. I was going to call him Bryanson again. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, and Kenny Omega. The match was all right. Everybody, I see people calling it an instant classic. It wasn't an instant classic. Like, it was all right. It was two guys. They got in. They got their shit in. They slapped each other. That's, that's pretty much the hardest. Like, there's two big spots in the in, in the match, right? Mm-hmm. It's when Omega almost drops uh, Brian on his head uh, from the top turnbuckle, which he kind of almost did to Chris Bay a couple of uh, pay-per-views Who? for Impact. I know Never Chris mind. Bay is. I know he's the moodiest and broodiest wrestler I've ever had. Uh, ever done. I'm like, I'm like, I've never done this before, dude, but you're the first celebrity I, I'm muting. You're just too moody. And, and, he, actually, and he, he actually liked that comment and he liked it. And then I muted him. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other uh, spot was the V trigger, right? Uh, running V trigger from the outside. Well, I would say the snapdragon onto the, onto the ramp, the illuminated ramp was pretty cool too. Okay. Um, so, but other than that, like, it wasn't like you had a bunch of false finishes. You had a, you know, it wasn't granted there's, you're saving all that stuff for the, for the pay-per-view, right? The, That's the, what I liked about it. It reminded me of when Paige and Pac had their match of full gear about two years ago. It was just a hard hitting match. It was just, it was a ground and pound kind of, it was like a, it was like an old time WWE match. Actually, I thought that the, this first part of Grand Slam was more like a WWE show than a W show. There wasn't a million people running in and out. There weren't factions of seventeen people. There wasn't. It wasn't Crash TV for the most part. It was just matches one after another. You know, basically clean matches. I, I you know, it was it, it was just different. It was it was it was easy to watch, and it was you know, it was a nice change of pace. I I, I liked it, but I agree. I, I understand what you're saying. It's it's not an all time match. There's always this heightened level of exuberance and exaggeration and hyperbole yes. with AEW, but it was a yes. good, solid match. It delivered what people wanted, except they wanted a finish, but they really wanted to want to, because if they got a finish, half the people would be happy, half the people would be sad. You're absolutely right. That's exactly how I feel. Um, yeah, let's, I mean, what else is there to say? They obviously are setting up for the next match, the pay-per-view, and as far as your run-ins are concerned, yep, you're right. Dynamite didn't have that many run-ins, but they certainly left those for Rampage. Yeah. Um, and that the match with CM Punk versus Hobbs, I thought was a much better wrestling match story-wise than the Brian Danielson uh, Omega match, in my opinion. Again, I, full disclosure, was rooting for Hobbs. And so when Hobbs was dominating for the second, for the majority of the match, I was ecstatic and actually thought that this man might actually pull an upset win. And then I realized I was watching AEW. And the only places that people of color get wins on AEW is on the show that they coincidentally called Dark. 
they do have tag team champions that are people of color. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, Recent the match, the, the match with Hobbs and CM Punk was okay. I thought it was I thought it was a good match. I don't think it was a great match. There were a couple spots where CM Punk looked really bad. I don't think that he should be working with a guy as big as Hobbs because he can't handle that weight. There was there was uh, especially there was like a Hurricane Rana type move. Oh off yeah, the he top broke ropes. this guy's neck. Yeah. Yeah, but like it, like it failed once, and then he tried awkwardly to do it a second time instead of resetting. I guess he didn't want to be embarrassed. And then, yeah, he almost, he almost broke. I think he almost broke both their necks. I mean, I think he almost hurt Hobbs, but almost hurt himself. But there was another spot too where, uh, you know, I think he did like a flying, like one of the Rey Mysterio, like flying Hurricane Runners, and it just looked terrible. It's like you could see that like both his legs slipped off, and and Hobbs threw himself over. I mean, yes, but but that's a little. I mean, that's nitpicking, except that it's CM Punk and he's supposed to be the best in the world. Yep. Um, so, you know, if this was Jungle Boy and he's 23, you know, you give it a pass, maybe. Or if it's private party against the Butcher and the Blade because you don't care. You, you, well, they're on the same team, but nevertheless, you know, it's just normal, you know, mockery. These guys aren't ready for television because it's CM Punk. Nobody's pointing these things out or... A lot of people aren't pointing that. There, there are plenty of people who have pointed it out. Um, but he's, you know, again, they putting him with Darby was smart because of the size. I'm not really sure what the purpose was. There's plenty of smaller heels that he could have worked with. But, like, maybe putting him with, like, I know they think Starks is the bigger star and he's got the FTW belt and maybe he's not healthy enough to wrestle. But that would have made more sense. Or put him, or pair him off with someone else. They have a million undersized wrestlers there. You know, he, he let him go through the Hardy family office. You got Jack Evans, who's small. You got Angel and Helico, who's light. You got both guys in private party who are both pretty light. So let, let him work with those guys and then work up to Matt Hardy, who's, you know, who should be putting people over any anyway. Um, I know he's in a storyline with Orange Cassidy, but who cares? They drop storylines all the time. They drop a bunch of storylines for this card, um, which I think we talked about last week, maybe not, but uh, I'm sure we'll get to it. But I thought this match was okay, but I, I didn't think it was great. And because it's CM Punk and because it was his first televised match, I actually was a little bit disappointed. I think that they chose Hobbs and Darby first because, remember, back a couple months ago when he was interviewed, CM Punk said that he wanted to work with Darby Allen, Hobbs, Starks, and a couple other guys. And so he they're just kind of running down his wish list. Um, and so Hobbs is the second man on the list. I thought it was a pretty good match. Definitely good showing for Hobbs. Not so much for CM Punk. I agree with you there. Um, but but yeah, he lost, and he's, not, and he's not, he's not going to get another chance to defeat Punk anytime soon. So what's the, it's like when Dante Martin has a good, has three good showings losing. What, what, what's the matter? He's back to losing with another partner. When when Scorpio Sky had a good showing against Jericho, he hasn't had a singles match since. I mean, wh- or like when C- Will Hobbs had a good showing against Christian and then went right. silent for like three months. <laughs> exactly. These good showings, uh, you know, I mean, it's like Cesaro had a good showing against Roman Reigns. And uh, I mean, I don't think he's been on. I think he's been on TV once since. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, no. So, uh, you know, Jungle Boy had the good showing against Omega and he's, you know, not only 
back with Jurassic Express, but stuck with Christian also, and now Christian and and Brian as well. Uh, and everyone thinks someone's going to turn on someone. Uh, you know, and we've got we've got uh, Jungle Boy going up against Adam Cole this Wednesday on Dynamite. Right, Wednesday. I guess he's going to win that one. Not ju- yeah. not Jungle Boy. <laughs> <laughs> not Jungle Boy. You're absolutely right. So, and at least with that one, Adam Cole's only 32. I mean, he's not 47 or or 42 like CM Punk. What's what's Brian? Is he 40 or is he? 43? Yeah, he's definitely. I think he's 40. He's, he's in his 40s. Right. He's yeah. I mean, I mean, at least Adam Cole has another decade of still being you know sort of in his prime. Yeah. Let's talk about Malachi Black versus uh, Homelander, uh, Cody <laughs> Rhodes. Um, great entrance by Cody Rhodes, right? Like this cape. Oh, yeah. Looked like it looked like a wedding uh, train. Um, ever since, and and he comes out with this fucking Arn Anderson, and I was telling my buddies, I'm like, hey, I remember a couple weeks back, Arn Anderson is the only guy, the only guy, to block, defend successfully against the black mass kick. He's the Malachi coach. Black's finishing move. What is he? Is he Mister Miyagi, Jeff? Yes. Like yes, how he is he? Uh, this is ridiculous. He's he's old. And he, he's so old he fell off the fucking ring apron, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, that was unfortunate. <laughs> that was unfortunate. Then my friends were like, Steve, you're an asshole. You you spoke this shit into existence. You wanted him to get his head knocked off by Malachi, and then he fell off the apron. He was looking at Brandy's boobs. I, listen, but can you blame him? I mean, no. she looked phenomenal. Like. Well, she's phenomenal looking. It's not hard to look, look phenomenal when you're phenomenal looking. She is. She ran in. She gave uh, Malachi the the middle finger. I couldn't even boo her for that. I was just right. like, well, he, neither did he. He laughed. He thought it was funny. <laughs> I, I, right. I love. Yeah, Malachi. Malachi is is rocking it. That that, that was pretty good. Yeah, but yeah, this match was a little bit long, in my opinion. I know they had to make Cody look like he could go toe to toe with Malachi Black. I mean, one of the issues with Cody is that he's been sort of like playing the secret heel for basically a year and a half now. It's sort of up and down. He never really changes his character. You know, he got he was being booed mercilessly here, which I thought was funny. Some people saying it's because it's New York. I don't think so. I, I, I think that people don't much like Cody, but, uh, you know, it, it's almost like he he. You know, I know Brock is back in vogue again because he just came back, but it's almost like the, the Brock Lesnar reaction where a lot of people would boo him because he was part-time. Cody doesn't say he's part-time, but he's gone a lot working on like three or four shows. He's he's working on heels. He's working on roads to the top. He's working on the go big show. You know, he's, he's, he's doing all sorts of things. So he's never in like long-term storylines. He's in sort of these hotshot storylines and they never go anywhere. Like the whole thing with, the factory and Eric uh, Gogo or Gogo, yeah, whatever his last name is. We haven't seen him since we or Anthony, Anthony. right? Anthony, yeah. we haven't seen him since. I mean, he he's barely even been mentioned, and I know he's still in AW because he tweets every now and then. And the factory, they've you know they've lost every feud they've been with, probably rightfully so, but nothing's happening with them. And then he's gone for a while, and then he got killed, and then you know we told the story, went through the 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 family nightmare family or whatever they call themselves. And, you know, anyway, uh, because of Aaron's Aaron's falling down and Cody was expressing concern, Aaron's like, what are you doing? Get back in the ring. They had a little disagreement on the, on the side. Cody gets back in there. The ref gets distracted. And Alistair, I'm sorry, Malachi Black spits black mist at him and then uh, steals the win and, and 
snakes out of the, the ring. And so is Cody a heel? Is he going to turn on Arn? He made a statement since then. It's all good. The coach was doing what he's supposed to do. That's why he's supposed to tell me. So again, complete mixed signals here. You know, but listen, I didn't think they were going to have the courage or the audacity to have Cody lose a second time. And they did. Um, and they <laughs> didn't last year. So kudos for that. It was sort of a cheap win, but I like that the mist is being inserted here again. Again, you know, there's people saying this is professional wrestling. Well, mist is sort of sports entertainment. I mean, I know it goes back to the great Kabuki. Um, but still, I mean, is this, you know, missed winning by miss the sports center. There's no difference between professional wrestling and sports entertainment. People stop it. Stop with the nonsense. <laughs> I agree with you. I thought this match was good. It, it did what it was supposed to do, but more importantly, like I like Cody Rhodes. I'm getting behind Cody Rhodes as many as, as AEW fans turn on him. <laughs> it's only showing that they're this is why they like Chris Jericho's Judas song so much because they're all Judas. Mm. This man brought AEW to life, brought them a uh, reputable name in Amen. Cody Rhodes. Testify the, the son of Dusty Rhodes. Preach. And now, what did he do? He's got Brandy. He's got these shows. He, he talks to TNT, brings TNT. He's got Steve Amell there. It's all pushing forward AEW the brand. And everybody's Hallelujah. Thank you. And everybody's booing him. This is ridiculous. It's not Cody Rhodes that has changed. No, 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 my friend. It is the AEW fans that have changed. They're Steven, the true the heels. contrarian Pena. They are the true heels that have changed. They are the ones. Not Cody. Cody's not gone Hollywood. AEW fans have turned. They are the Judas to, to Cody Rhodes' Jesus. Bong. So AEW is Hogan and you are Bobby Heenan. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, when Hogan, I'm, I'm, when Hogan joined the NWO, Bobby I Heenan know what you're, finally... I know what you're talking about. All right, fine. So, all right. I, if you're comparing me to Bobby the Brain here, I would... I'd, listen, great honor. Well, I just said Bobby Heenan. I left out the brain part. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> um, Pillman Jr. versus uh, MJF. This shit. I mean, Pillman Jr. Like, He's not, man, this, this was a snoozer. He was supposed to come out here for a brawl. And, and he comes. <laughs> listen, I know he's from Cincinnati. But does he have to come out in these Tony the Tiger uh, trunks? He looks like a bozo. He looks like he should be on the side of Frosted Flakes. I've said it before on the show. I'll say it again. And Brian Pillman Jr., there have been people in wrestling who said they would say, Flip Gordon is the stupidest person I've ever met in wrestling, and I know Brian Pillman. So, <laughs> Or some people said, Brian Pillman's the stupidest person I know in wrestling, and I know Flip Gordon. So they're vying for one and two and stupidest people in wrestling. Brian Pillman Jr. is not a bright person, and he's not that good a wrestler. He was actually better when he was lighter. Now, I appreciate that he bulked up his physique. He looks, you know, his, his body looks more like his dad's. He looks more like a, a professional wrestler in my mind, but his moveset hasn't caught up with his size, or, or, or he can't do the moveset and he hasn't adjusted. He just looks clunky and slow, and I know everyone wants to say, this is a star. I know he won Rookie of the Year about four years ago. That was an MLW. 
he's he's not a primetime player. Um, and somebody with a mullet just isn't going to get over in 2021, nor should they. Um, <laughs> the only part I liked about this is when MJF pulled Julia Hart in front of him, doing like a Macho Man Savage pulling Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Wardlow really didn't play much of a role in this, which was sort of disappointing. So, yeah. again, you know, Cody's been the secret heel for a year and a half. Wardlow and MJF have been sort of dissenting for a year and a half. Is that just because they don't know what else to do, or is it long-term booking? The, the fan is going to say it's long-term booking. The skeptic or cynic is going to say they really just don't know what to do with people. I guess at the end of the day, maybe it doesn't really matter. But this this match, I, I'm told from people who were there, including you, but not limited to you, that this match really was not re- received well by the fans. On TV, it was sort of sloppy and, and you know didn't look particularly impressive. But MJF won with the submission. Great. Terrific. Fine. And, and I, I think I want to clarify something like, the match itself didn't get, garner a lot of heat, right? You have Pillman as the babyface. Right. And so Pillman didn't do his job as the sympathetic babyface to get the people behind him. More people were booing MJF because MJF is a dastardly heel. It's it's the opposite, right? It's like Iron Sheik was a dastardly heel. Hulk Hogan got the cheers, it wasn't mm-hmm. that everybody booed the shit out of Iron Sheik, right? Mm-hmm. Pillman didn't get any cheers. Nobody was behind him. Nobody knew that thought he was going to win. Everybody was just booing the shit out of MJF. And so there's there's a clear distinction between people were hot for the match or people were hot at MJF. And that's just, a, I guess, proof that MJF is as good a heel as he is, but in the same token, he wasn't good enough to get Pillman over as a genuine babyface. The guy comes in and instead, again, it should have been a fucking brawl. He's talking shit about your mom, talking about your sister about uh, talking shit about your sister, talking about abortions. This man should have come out fist to flying, and instead, yeah. he wants to have a technical masterpiece. Fuck out of here! This is wrong. I don't know. Those I will, are my thoughts. I, I will put it very simply, tying a bow on my my what I said earlier. In order to employ psychology, you have to have a brain. <laughs> you have to have psychology. You have to have a psyche to to employ psychology. There you go. Brian Pillman came to a psychology uh, to a brain fight, disarmed. I, you've said it all. You've said it all right there. Let's move on to Darby and Sting versus FTR. I mean, after Omega and Danielson get announced as the first match, I thought this match should have been the main event. And by the quality and also the fan reaction, this should have been the main event. Everybody was cheering Sting. FTR did their job. They made Sting look like a million bucks. Darby did his typical Darby shit. But this was really a showcase for Sting. Let's be real. And Sting, for 62 or 52, maybe even 42, didn't look bad. I mean, he certainly was less gassed than Samoa Joe was in his last match out. Um, so, yeah, I thought, I mean, you know, he didn't do a lot of, a ton of moves, but he wrestled the whole match, and I thought he looked pretty good. Now, you know, this was the feel-good match, so that's why I thought that, that you know, the baby faces were obviously going to win. That's why I thought it should have opened the big card to make everyone happy and put everyone in a good mood. Um the bad of it is that Sting and Darby 
We're supposed to be in a thing with the the men of the year. Uh, also sort of in a thing with uh, Lance Archer. And all of that was dropped herky-jerky uh, for, for different stories. And now they beat FTR, who, you know, was trying to get back into the title Matt, picture. Now they got a loss to, you know, a pseudo, a pseudo tag team, which who knows, maybe they'll start going for the titles, which seems silly to me. But, I mean, FTR is basically doing what they were complaining about in WWE, which is sort of being in the gimmick matches, sort of being with the legends, sort of being made fools of with legends. You want to say they're not being made fools of because it was, a, it was an actual match? I get what you're saying, but he's still a 62-year-old man. So should they be in an actual match with a 62-year-old man where it's competitive and they're supposed to be the top guys? Um, I, I'd say no. Plus, they have the advantage of Tully. This whole Tully versus Sting story was hot-shotted. And Tully versus Sting really wasn't ever a thing. Tully versus uh, Sting versus Flair was a thing. Sting on again, off again with Luger was a thing. Uh, Sting versus the NWO was definitely a thing. But Tully and Sting, whenever they were together, it was just you know to get his way up to up to Flair. I mean, it's no more than Sting had a thing with Barry Windham or or. Uh, Arn Anderson or, you know, or any of the other horsemen that were in that. So it's not like that was a storied feud. Tully against Dusty Rhodes was storied. Tully against Magnum TA was storied. Tully against Wahoo McDaniel, pretty storied. Um, anyway, so, you know, I'm just saying that the FTR, for all of their complaining about what they were doing in WWE, it seems to me that they're doing largely the same thing. And yes, AW does respect tag team wrestling a ton more than WWE, maybe too much because uh, they, they seem to have about two dozen teams on, on the roster. Yeah, um, maybe more. But anyway, this, this, this match was fine. This was good. I think I think Sting overperformed. I feel sort of bad for FTR, except I don't because I don't. I mean, I like them as a team, but I think that, that Dax especially is an idiot. Um, so. <laughs> You know, let me ask you this. Do you think FTR is buried? I mean, no. I mean, there's so many other. I mean, Bear Country is buried. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the chaos theory or whatever they call them, this chaos project, they're buried. The acclaimed is sort of buried. Um, you know, there, there's there are teams that are buried. Then, no, they're not buried, but they're not, they're obviously, they're not long for the titles anytime soon, which I suppose is sort of fine because the Bucks are heels also. So are you well, saying they're FTR is, Lucha life, Brothers. is life is um FTR on life support? I'm not gonna go that far. I'm I'm just saying that they're they're right now in sort of nowhere programs. You barely hear about the pinnacle. There was you know MJF and Wardlow didn't show up, Sean Spears didn't show up, which I'm almost glad about. Um but this was sort of a theme with the night. I mean, later on with the Jericho and Hager, the inner circle guys didn't come out to help them too. And they were all there. Um, yeah. And, I mean, they, and they got beat up by men of the year and uh, America's top team or whatever. Like, they're like calling eight them. MMA people. Yeah. Including that one woman. I don't, I didn't catch her name when I was in the audience and I didn't watch back the, the, the rampage episode, but I mean, yeah. that, that, Listen, that that segment was pretty good, and and men of the year finally got a win. God knows that they've been waiting long enough for one, uh, you know. I, you know, and I don't know if they're going to continue in this program or like Jericho and Hagar are going to be in attraction matches with America's top ten team, which didn't work out very well in Impact because people aren't that interested in America's top team. None of them are all that famous. 
when Tito Ortiz came out, I thought it was Cain Velasquez. So I don't know. I mean, a lot of people did think that that was Cain Velasquez, and it was like, no, that's not him. And and there was a lot of confusion in the audience. Yeah, and, and because there's also been rumors that Cain Velasquez has been talking with AW. Now maybe he's talking to them and they're not talking back, but he they were talking about him training for wrestling and stuff like that. And and you know they look a little bit alike, maybe not as alike side by side. But I'm not a UFC MMA guy, so I see a guy with that look in a wrestling ring. And I remember Cain Velasquez was you know, wrestling a year ago, that that's where my head's going to go. I don't know Tito Ortiz's only because they say it. And next time they show Tito Ortiz, they're going to have to say his name again because I still won't know who he is. Um, and, and that's just, uh, I don't follow that shit. I don't, I don't care about MMA. It's, it's, you know, it's not my thing. Ain't my jam. I hear you. Let's quickly go through the other couple matches. I mean, that was pretty much all of uh, Dynamite right there. I don't want to Well, the women's match. The women's title match. Oh, the, oh I mean, we kind of briefly went through that i guess what were your, were your opinions on the women's title match this was not a great match i mean ruby has some moves but she's not a great wrestler or maybe Britt isn't a great wrestler but this was not a great match people aren't really half as behind the ruby soho as fans like to pretend they are she gets almost no reaction mm -hmm. uh they paid all that money for a song i don't know i mean you know Britt won with the help of her cronies jamie Hayter and and rebel wasn't a great match and yeah, it was the main event on Dynamite, but it wasn't, but it's a faux main event because that was a five-hour show at least. I mean, they, they tape Elevation, Dynamite, and Rampage all together. So it was really somewhere in the middle of the card. It, so it wasn't really a main event. It was a TV main event. I know they want to say that they had a women's main event just like WWE's done at WrestleMania and some other, you know, big cards and Raws and things like that. And, you know, I can't say that they really have it but i can't really say that they really have either because it was sort of a cheat i agree with you there um and i already said my piece about this match and what i thought about it live um let's move on to aw rampage um i will say before that ruby they protected ruby i don't know if they needed to protect her but she is probably top five in the women's division right now based upon who they have so I guess there is a reason to need to keep her strong um, or protect her, should I say. More Rampage. Um, we had Santana and Ortiz, Lucha Brothers versus Hardy Family Office. Really good match. A huge pop. And I don't know if this translated for on TV, but huge pop for Santana, Ortiz, the Lucha Bros. This match, again, lots of. The stuff that you were talking about earlier that was missing out of Dynamite is all here on Rampage. Just a complete melee, no rules, getting all their spots in. Phenomenal match, fun match. I really enjoyed that. Faces won. Santana Ortiz came in with Mets face paint on their orange and blue. Mets and Yankees. Yep. Oh, okay. One was orange, blue, the other was black and white. Okay, so good. Yes. good. Pretty smart. They are hometown guys, and the Lucha Brothers, while not hometown guys, were House of Glory champions for a long time and have a lot of history in New York. And people like the Lucha Brothers period. So, yeah, I mean, the the faces won. They should have won. Um, what happened? Uh, uh, wasn't there something with Orange Cassidy? Was that in the other match? That was in the other match. Now, this, that was, he came out twice. He came out, I think, in the Anna Jay versus um, Penelope Floyd. Money match. 
Yep, the Penelope Ford, sorry, yeah. Penelope Ford match, and then he came out in the, was it the Elite match? I think he, that was it. But um, Santana and Ortiz and Lucha Bros, my only criticism, and, a, and pretty decent criticism, is the Lucha Bros are the tag team champions. Santana and Ortiz are up and climbing the tag team ranks. They are heels in the inner circle, right? Right. Why is no, it? No, no, the inner circle are faces now. But you know, they're they're dastardly guys, right? They're from the streets, right? They do street things. They do gangster shit. The Lucha and, Brothers were heels just as recently as the as Santana Ortiz. I don't I don't know where you're going with this one. I what I'm where I'm going is. How are you guys holding hands and hugging each other and lovey lovey buddy buddy at the end of this match? Like instead of holding each other's hands in victory for this fucking match that means nothing, why don't Santana and Ortiz get their shit in and beat the shit out of the fucking Lucha Bros right after this match? Well, that's not how wrestling works. Faces, uh, faces like faces, heels like heels, and they wanted to get everyone on the card, especially the, the young guys. Uh, my biggest problem with this match is that aesthetically it was so similar to the one with the jurassic express and the super click i mean it was mm-hmm. it was a lot of those same kind of spots and they were so close together i mean i get sort of now why they spread them out but i, I mean but i actually i don't because i don't think AEW looks at their television show the same way i do i don't think that they wanted the first half to look more like a wwe or an impact or whatever another show with less crash tv i i think they love the crash tv and I think if they had the Super Click versus the Jurassic Express as the main event instead of Britt and uh, uh, Ruby, that that probably would have been a better choice as well. Um, or vice versa, have this this eight man uh, as the main event to keep you know keep people feeling you know happy and whatever. And then the Super Click one, you could have Adam Cole at the end. He's you know he's their other big get recently, and and so that could be your you know your other main event um, for Rampage. Anyway. Um, I don't have the same issue with it that you do. I mean, I do understand what you're saying, but I mean, this is wrestling 101. We, we see it on WWE where you got Ziggler and Rude teaming with the Alpha Academy, even though they're both contending or theoretically contending for the Usos belt and they're against the Street Profits and the Mysterios or, you know, some other face team, you know, because there's only four tag teams in the division. So, I mean, you yeah, know, that- I get that. I mean, I just, I just feel again, they're, Unscrupulous. Uh, I'm not even. If I'm, I'm gonna fucking Elmer. Uh, well, they're scrupulous. Now. They're, they're they're faces now. And by this the way, <laughs> they are beating two other tag teams, which are also contending for wins. So they gave two other tag teams losses. So I mean, you can make the logic work if you want. The real reason is because they wanted to give the New York crowd all four of these guys. They weren't gonna have a tag team I title match. I get that. I okay. get that, Jeff. But like. Again, they're gangsters. Gangsters don't fu- they fucking do shady shit. Yeah, like, but now they're now they're the guardian angels. They're they're not they're not bad people <laughs> anymore. Oh man, they're the Avengers. They're not the boys. I'm trying to I'm trying to work myself up into a shoot, and then you you completely call my bullshit. Good. Um, all right, we talked about the super click. I don't think we need to get much further into that. Let's talk about. Pop music. The last, the the. Um, I mean, quickly. Wait, we, ha- we have to talk. We have to talk about Penelope Ford and and Anna J. 
Right, because Penelope Ford did use the brass knuckles, but I don't really care about their match. I mean, Penelope Ford got the win. She got she hit Anna Jay with the brass knuckles. Then she hit Ty Conti with the brass knuckles with the help of, of uh, the bunny, whatever. And But the, the Hardy family office was guarding the side of the ring uh, where the ramp is so that nobody could come and interfere. And then you hear the Weezer music or Green Day music, whatever it is, and Orange Cassidy strolls out very slowly, only with Chris Statlander. Not that I care about Chuck Taylor or Wheeler Utah, but they weren't there. Where were the other best friends? So it's just Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander. So it's it's basically like seven against two, uh, you know, at, at that point. And then, like, Orange Cassidy's waiting. Like, he knows who he's waiting for. So you would expect it's Wheeler and Chuck Taylor. No. It's the Dark Order who comes out, which I suppose is fine because Anna Jay and Ty Conti are the only thing holding the Dark Order together. So they run in. It's actually Stu Grayson who runs in first, and everyone else sort of saunters after him. And they get in, and they make the rescue, all that. Um, so, I mean, weren't the the Dark Order just in a feud with the Hardy family office that sort of ended out of nowhere, and now it's sort of starting out of nowhere again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the answer is you're right. Yes, I know. And so anyway, they, they get in there. And once again, there's an argument between like Alex Reynolds and, and Alan Angels 5 and Evil Uno. And, and they want to make up and reconcile. And Evil Uno doesn't want to hear about it. And he's saunters. Right. He walks out. Stu Grayson, of course, follows him. Colt Cabana looks like he's sort of like the Steve Austin. He's not sure what he wants to do, but he, but he sort of reluctantly trails along with Stu and Uno. Mm-hmm. Um, the other three are in there and, you know, Anna and Ty are, still aren't taking sides. So, I mean, this, the dark order on TV is, is always a bad idea except when there was Brody. And now, I mean, they're in a feud with Hardy family office again, best friends is involved in this somehow. I mean, there's too, there's too many people. Then there's going to be two fa- So you know, what's going to happen. There's going to be two factions of the dark order. One's going to be with Hardy family office. The other's going to be with best friends. There's going to be like, these 14 man tag team matches. Now the rumor is this Wednesday in Rochester, Bray Wyatt is going to come out and he's going to be the great uniter. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sold on it. Nobody's sure, which is cool that nobody's sure what's going on with Bray. Um, but it doesn't seem, I mean, I guess, you know, they drop a lot of storylines, so I guess they could pivot and, you know, if he says yes or if he said yes, that could be the story. Um, but it really, like, how would him being there resolve the problems between Evil Uno and Five and and Reynolds unless he just clocks their heads together? Yeah, maybe. I, I, if I can just t- quickly pitch how he should be introduced. Sure, go ahead. Because it's, it's Rochester, you know that Evil Junior, as I like to call him, Negative One, will be Negative there. Negative One. They should have a backstage promo with special effects where uh, Evil Junior like eats a can of spinach like Popeye used to do, and mm-hmm. then he slowly like metamorphoses, transforms into Bray Wyatt. I think so. That would like be how we problem. saw Finn turn into the demon on SmackDown a couple weeks ago. Yes. Like CGI that he turns into Bray Wyatt, some different version of the Fiend or whatever. Yes, like he gains a bunch of weight. Uh, not like muscle, but you know, and then a big beard grows out. He turns then, into the Hulk, basically. It's like uh, Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk. Eh, if the Hulk was Homer Simpson's body, yes. Stop it. 
Stop. Bray Wyatt is not worth it. <laughs> you're just you're just silly. You're just a silly person. I mean, he is kind of balding like Homer Simpson, no? Stop it. Just stop. Okay. Um, last match. Moxley. Uh, Moxley. <laughs> Moxley and apparently the king of New York. Who fucking knew? Uh, Eddie Kingston. Right. And um, <laughs> versus Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer. It must be like your. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So a big deal is made out of uh, Minoru Suzuki's entrance. And we're running press for time, and you can see, like, they're trying to rush through it, but they're still, like... I don't know if they played his music. It seemed a little faster to me at maybe one 1.5 speed instead of 1, because... I still say this song sucks. I don't I don't know what I'm saying. It, it does suck. It It's just the three fucking words. Like, everybody just waits, like, a minute and a half... To get to the cor- this chorus, that is just the three words where you just yell it out. It's ridiculous. It sounds like music that would be played in an aquarium. It's it's it probably even worse in in the world's <laughs> worst elevator ride. Yeah, something like that. And I, you know, I mean, listen, I've now seen two Minoru Suzuki matches um, that I can recall, and I'm not impressed at all. Yep i I don't get it. I mean. They handcuff Moxley. Moxley is an idiot. He can't uh, apparently get his way out they, of masking they duct, tape. They duct taped him. It was fucking masking tape. Let's be real. Like masking it was tape. tape. It, was, it was not it was, duct tape. Duct tape looks a lot more stickier. This was obviously it was silver. Masking tape is is it like was not uh, silver. Tape. It okay. It doesn't matter. They taped his hands together. And then uh, his own buddy Kingston can't manage to get him out. I don't know uh, where Kingston was. Kingston was like missing for like five minutes. He obviously went to the bodega to probably get a 40 or something or probably a no, sandwich. He, I think That's he got that same PTSD he got from the exploding fizzle match. <laughs> and and he, was, he was like shivering in a corner somewhere, rocking back and forth. He was in the fetal position. Right. And, the, and then he needs to be rescued, Moxley is, uh, by homicide. Right. Like who, who at, at this point, he's so small, it's like he's down to involuntary manslaughter. So Homicide's got these scissors. Involuntary manslaughter. In, involuntary ma- manslaughter has these scissors. Of course. He, uh, he's got to cut uh, uh, Moxley out of this duct tape, right? Sure. Minoru Suzuki, king of hardcore, right? Murder Grandpa shows up and they have a face-off. If your name is fucking Homicide, why would you not use the scissors? Why do you drop the scissors? Well, there was also a, it was like an awkward delay before they got to the face off. It was like like Suzuki turned around too quickly. And it's like they could have like exchanged like pleasantries. Yeah, yeah I know. It was just it was, it was just like, oh, my God, it's homicide. That's homicide. I was in the audience and I'm like, I don't give a shit. I don't. I, can we go home now? Can we wrap? By this time, it was almost midnight. And homicide. I mean, he can't be taller than five, six. Oh, and standing next to Moxley, uh, who's like what six two, and an Archer, who's just as tall. Like he's tall. Archer's a. I mean, he's probably a legit six six. I know they say he's six eight. Like it was ridiculous looking, but and, okay. and, and Suzuki's not that big a guy either. I oh, mean, no, tall. He, he looks like he's five ten, five. Yeah, five ten is right. 
Yeah, he's 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 considerably shorter than than Moxley and Kingston, who are both they're about the same height. Um, Correct. I don't know. This, this, listen, I understand why this was sort of a main event because it's sort of the attraction, which is all Moxley and Kingston are doing now, are basically attraction matches. I mean, the, the Moxley is just going through the the AARP division of New Japan. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, okay. It, 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 it was fine, but it, it was sloppy. It wasn't particularly good. And, of course, who took the pin? Lance Archer, of course. Yep. Um, nothing to write at home about. Did they show? I was wondering about this because live Kingston yells at, um, uh, one of the producers ringside. Cause I guess he was type counting him down saying like, you only got one minute on the mic. And so Kingston grabbed the mic and he was all like, um, AW is the King of New York now. And no. I, I love you, ma. Uh, this one's for you. D- did any of that make of the year? No, no, that that was that was all for live. That was all off air. Oh wow, yeah, that was that was pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah, and that's AW Dynamite and Rampage. Um, oh, Homicide. Do you think there's a one-off, or do you think we see more Homicide? Uh, I initially thought that it would it was going to be a signing because they sign everybody, especially people you know from Ring of Honor and MLW. But no, after seeing what it was and what the whole spot was about. I think it's just a one-off and it was just a Kingston homicide sort of, you know, reuniting sort of the OGs of, of, you know, New York indie wrestling. So mm-hmm. I, I think it was a one-off. Um, yeah, I would be surprised if I'm wrong though. I'm not really invested in this answer. I just think it's a one. I think it's like a Nick Gage thing, uh, you know, Jeff Cobb thing. It's just one of those. Yep. That's exactly what Movie. I uh, thought right after I saw it happen. I said, this I is, mean, what would they do if they signed them? I mean, I guess they'd put him in a tag team with Kingston, and then what are they going to do? Push Moxley again as a solo, as a solo act again? Which I mean is is probably better for Moxley, but like, who 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 is he now over? I mean, the one person I know he's over is is Hangman Page. The other person I know he's over is Andrade, uh, but is he over Malachi Black? Is is he over CM Punk? Is he over Adam Cole? Is he over? Uh, Brian Danielson, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I have to say probably no. So I, I, I don't exactly. know. Yeah, I don't they, know. They, they, we'll they, have, they have too many guys. So, you know, but, you know, I guess as long as they can keep importing one person at a time from New Japan or bring in somebody from the Indies or, you know, Matt Cardona gets the GCW champion, bring him in once. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know, somebody gets the West Texas, you know, Majin Q gets the Texas championship, bring him in for one match. And put mm-hmm. Moxley and Kingston against them, whatever it is. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of sort of wrestlers who are opting to be free agents now, or they're not getting signed to contracts, so they're going everywhere. Like some of the released WWE guys, uh, Alex Zane, he's, he's going all over the place. Um, and, and there's a host of people like that. Eric Rowan is, you know, still around as far as I know. Um, so, I mean, they, they could... Their story, literally, AEW, instead of doing long-term booking, their long-term story could be Forbidden Door, and they can keep bullshitting this thing forever. Jay White's <laughs> in the country. Will Ospreay's in the country. Ren Narita's in the country. I mean, there's just, there's a, 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 you know, a ton of people. Don't say Mari Skrull. I know you want to. Mari um, Skrull. Yeah, there you go. I mean, Adam Scher, Braun Strowman, they could bring him in for a match. I they mean, could bring – you know what? Listen, Homicide, he's a questionable character. Probably homicide because he killed some people. But 
killing people is worse than whipping your dick out, right? So, hey, what about a tag team with Ric Flair? <laughs> okay. Uh, what are you going to call that? You know, un- unlawful and disorder. Disorderly conduct. That'll be the name of their, their tag team. That's right. Felonious intent. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Yeah. Just imagine okay. that, them chanting that in the audience. That's a lot of syllables. The only other thing I want to touch on is that Daniel Bryan, I'm saying Daniel Bryan because he tweeted this, you know, as a, as basically a thank you to the WWE fans, to Vince McMahon. He said he really enjoyed his his time there. And and he got like sort of shit on for like saying he actually enjoyed his time there. And then he tweeted again, very professionally. He's he's like, the guy's the perfect guy. I mean, I guess it helps to have, you know, no real problems except for maybe your neck. Um, Yeah. But uh, he he said, I don't know why there's so much tribalism. You shouldn't have to pick a team. There, there should, the world is true. I'm against this. I'm against that. You can enjoy what you enjoy. You know, I, I'm doing what I want. But I but you know I you know I love my time there and met my yeah. wife there and and you yeah. know and I got and and I wish people knew the big guy the way I know him and it was the and I'm I don't want to embarrass him but it was the best hug I ever got so or so, something yeah. like that. I mean, it's just all classy and nice and. It was just so refreshing from all the people who were making hundreds of thousands or millions. I was like, I was in prison all this time. I mean, <laughs> the fact that there's like now 10 or 12 of them doing the same routine shows that they weren't all that creative. So, you know, mm-hmm. when if one of the reasons you get released is because you're not that original, you're not that creative and you basically copy what EC3 did, did 18 months ago, you're not that original. And so, you know, I mean, at least Ruby put some production effort into it, but the runaway thing isn't much different than a breakout. So, I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, and I'm not saying it's easy to be creative, but it's also not easy to be a TV star uh, in a top tier promotion. There's a reason why, you know, you've got lots of divisions of minor league baseball, but you've got the major leagues. So, you know, I said that a million different times, but I just wanted to touch on Brian being a class act as always. Yeah, no, I think that was a good point. I think that's one of the things we missed the first time we recorded. All right, Jeff, I think that's everything, man. We've covered everything, including a pay-per-view of, you know, reactions, live, watch-along, semi-watch-along. Apollo uh, Crews' booking sucks. To WWE Extreme Rules. Listen, it may, it's time to cool them off, and then maybe we bring them back. Yeah. Draft is tomorrow, so we're going to have draft week, nope, so that's what nope, we're probably talking nope, about. Nope, nope, Draft doesn't start till Friday on SmackDown. SmackDown is and that... then ends with Raw. Tomorrow okay. we have Lashley versus... A title uh, change tomorrow. Lashley gets no. his title back. Yeah, great. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know about that title change. Yeah, I don't know about it either, but but I hope so. But it should be a good good episode of Raw, hopefully. They're, they look like they're putting a little more energy and, and enthusiasm into Raw. So it's about fucking them. time. About fucking time. Agreed. Um, all right, guys. Um, very much uh, thank you for listening. Uh, making it through these two and a half hours. I hope you were thoroughly entertained. If you do like the Hammerlock Hangover, please make sure that you like and uh, share this uh, feed, this broadcast, wherever you're listening to our podcast, uh, to any of your fe- friends that are into wrestling, family members into wrestling. Um you know, and guys, you've been doing that. 
because recently, seriously, this this the last two weeks we've had several hundred more listeners than before. So somebody's saying something. So continue whatever you're doing, and those new people continue doing whatever you're doing. If you think this show is worth listening to, spread the word uh, because leave, the, the growth has been exponential. Yeah, leave a review, give five stars, but even more important than that, tell people, get people, get people to listen to it, have them listen to the old shows, just the interview sections. They don't, they don't need to listen to the shit about wrestling from six months ago. Who gives a crap? But, you know, the interviews uh, with uh, Glenn Greenberg, with Stephen P. New, with John Kiernan, who writes wrestling music, with uh, uh, Kim, Kim, Hartley. Who, Kim Hartley, who's a promoter, uh, one of the only female promoters, indie promoters, um, going in, they recently, they're probably about five and a half years now, survived the COVID thing also as a startup. Um you know, so some of those segments that are, you know, sort of fairly unique. So anyway, uh, thank you. I was stealing Steve's thunder there. But, yeah, like, share, subscribe, tell everyone what's up. And, you know, because you're doing a great job. You you guys are spreading the word because that that doesn't happen by accident. We didn't buy a commercial. Nobody put us over on a giant show that I'm aware of. I mean, we have people who are very supportive. Drew Yari is always supportive. You know, Kevin Castle. Uh, Kevin Castle, the guy, you know, the, the folks at Wrestling Soup, whatnot, but, you know, they've been supportive all along. Something happened in the last two or three weeks. I don't know what it is. Um, so it's you. It's, it's got to be the listener. So, you know, each of you tell five friends and, you know, maybe we'll all be big deals and you'll have, you'll have been here more or less in the beginning. Yeah. And thank you for listening. Like Jeff was saying, leave a review. You also want to interact with us. You can uh, send us an email at hammerlockhangover at gmail.com. We'll take your emails. We can read them on the air. We'll have a chat. Um, or you can find us on Twitter. You can find me at Big Daddy Cool on Twitter. No spaces, no numbers, just at Big Daddy Cool. You can find Jeff at Icarus Fell MD. That's Icarus like the angel, fell like fell out of the sky. MD as in doctor's uh, medical degree. Angel. There you go. Oh, well, listen, you would know uh, Garden of Doom. Um, and uh, yeah, you can also reach us on Twitter at Hammerlock HO. That's Hammerlock Hangover. HO is short for hangover. Wink, wink. See what I did there? So um, yeah, interact with us. Follow us. We'll follow you back. And what else do we have to plug, Jeff? My other show, non-wrestling show, Garden of Doom. Check it out. It's about the unusual and the alternative paranormal, uh, rogue anthropology, uh, interesting theological and religious takes. Just just a very broad spectrum of shows with, with some dynamic guests. Confession, the audio isn't always great, but the content is great. I've got some really great guests, um, so check that out. Um, also, I'm part of the Nephilim Anthropology Conference. I'm not a presenter, but if you're interested in a very varied group of professionals, uh, it's a virtual conference in the UK this Saturday, October 2nd. I think it only costs like 25 bucks American to, to see all the presentations. Only problem is it's UK time, so it starts at 6 a.m. and ends at like noon or 1. Um, uh, what else? Oh, our show we're on the wrestling soup network so check that out we're also on the pwc and i believe as we speak we're going to be loaded back up onto the pro wrestling coalition of course on our own streamer stream but also i believe that we're that we've been picked up greenlit for the hitting the marks network as well um so you can go to those sites and subscribe 
Uh, and if our shows aren't there yet, they will be shortly. So um, again, the growth isn't because of the addition of these new networks, because I don't think we're exactly live on any of them yet. Or if we are, it's very like within the last couple of days, not the last three weeks. Um, so thank you again and stay evil, my friends. That's right. Thank you, guys. And have a good one.